tonight on the Midnight Train podcast. We're discussing a man who could be in the running for the National Weird Artsy Farts Guy Award. He's unique. He's dark. He's Tim Burton. Warning. We say things like, if it sounds like Jonathan and Moody are crying like a couple of pussies, they are. All aboard. Hello, passengers, and welcome to the Midnight Train Podcast, where we bring the dark to light. What's that mean? Well, you guys know what that means. We talk about and joke about and make fun of creepy shit while bringing you as much information as possible. I am your host, the conductor of the cryptic, Jonathan Sayer. Thank you. And with me is my now co-host... It's Mr. Moody. <laughs> we both get applause. Hey. How's it going, dude? It's good. It's good. How are you doing? I am splendiferous. So I got to ask, though, uh-huh. um, how does Evan know we were crying? <sighs> <laughs> well, first. <laughs> so the Browns lost. <laughs> They gave Shit. it a run, man. They did. And it was a good game. It was. Look, dude, you're playing the Chiefs. What do you exactly. Know? There's no shame in losing. The Chiefs, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. And they they just Did you see did you see that thing I put up today? Mm-mm. It's uh it's it's the scene from Rocky Four where Apollo gets Oh yeah, 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 with the Bills. And it's got the Bills as Rocky, and then it's got the Browns over Apollo, and the next thing is uh Rocky with the Bills thing on his face, like looking at him, and then the next one is uh uh, Drago, and it's got the Chiefs logo. <laughs> Dude, it's hilarious. I will break you. <laughs> if he dies, he dies. Uh, so, yeah, they lost, but good luck to everybody that's right, in man. it. It was a good season. You know? Yeah, dude, we had a great season. I thought it was awesome, and I'm, I'm very proud of them. And, yeah, we were just talking a lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> dude, you got to talk shit, right? Talking a lot of shit. What are shit? you going to do? If yeah. you're not talking shit, you're not doing it right. That's all right. So, good luck to uh, who do you who do you want to see actually take this? Because well, right now, it's uh, the Chiefs and the Bills. Right. And then it is Tampa and Tampa Green Bay. And Green Bay. Right. So who are I you was kind of pulling for the Saints because I lived in New Orleans. So, right. Uh, I talked a lot of shit about the Saints when I was down there because I had to talk shit to my friends down there. But they're probably, if I had to at that point, they were in my next team. But uh, I, I honestly, I got to say, I, I could give a fuck less if Tom Brady makes another Super Bowl, so I don't care about them. Uh, I don't really like Green Bay, but I'd rather see them go than Tampa Bay. Yeah. And, uh I think I'm pulling for the Bills because they've had it just about as bad as the Browns have for a long time. Granted, in the 90s, they did make, what, four Super Bowls in a yeah. row and lost every one of them. So here's my thinking so on I'm this. I'm kind of pulling for them. So you're going for Bills. I'm, I'm thinking I'm pulling for Buffalo, yeah. I kind of, I'm kind of wanting uh, the Chiefs. And here's my reasoning I, behind I, that. See, and I don't dislike the Chiefs, so I, I wouldn't. it wouldn't bother me if they it's went. It's not because I dislike them or like them or anything right. like that. It's simply because... If they win the Super Bowl, then we got beat by the Super Bowl champs. And That's we, a good point. That's and a it good sounds point, yeah. way better. And we get them in a regular season next year, so we get to beat them in the regular right, season. Right, right. <laughs> so... That's what I'm saying. So if, yeah, if I'm all right with that you know too, what I mean. Yeah. So if they win, it's like, well, look, dude, we got knocked out in the second round, and they're, they're Super Bowl champs. Yeah. They're obviously yeah. the best. Yeah. You know, as opposed to, hey, we're the Steelers and got beat by the Browns. 
Uh, I'm just kidding, Steelers fans out there. No, you're not. I like to razz people. You know, we actually have some fans that uh, are super into their Steelers. <laughs> So I, I get a, for them. I get on there and I bust balls yeah, a little well, of bit. Of course, but it's course. all in jest. It's it all is. in jest. I don't want to. I don't ever want to piss off anybody because <laughs> people take their sports seriously, man. Yep. Woo. So anyway, you bunch of beautiful dark passengers. No. Now that we got the sports review yes, out of the way. Yes, get that out of the way. <laughs> this week in sports. Oh, you know what? I do have to say something before we continue. And uh, this goes out to the Skelton sisters. The sister Skelton. <laughs> sisters. Uh, they were talking. Uh, I listened to their uh, episode today while I was at work. Actually, I was driving around. And uh, at the very end, they were talking about, uh, basically, they were just, <laughs> the whole episode was about how this New Year is basically an extension of last year and how oh, of course. all kinds of shit happens. Yeah. Like, I guess uh, Jesse's cat has diabetes and like there's diabetes. diabetes. <laughs> so, you know, in I which mean, it's not funny. That the cat it's not funny at all. But they were actually talking about Wilford Brimley and shit on there, too. So, yeah, <laughs> got the beatus. Um, so anyway, I was listening to them and then they started talking about just shitty things that were happening. And then they mentioned our show and Jeff leaving. And oh. I, I felt really bad about it. And I was just like. Like, that's just, <laughs> um, and they were like, we're sure it's still going to be good. You know, he really, he only popped up every once in a while, <laughs> that kind of stuff. But as we said, Jeff will, he'll come back. Yeah, we'll have him back. in from time it's to time. Like he's yeah. gone for good, man. So hopefully ladies, you got to let us know how, Look, uh, we all how know, we're doing as a two We piece. all know that John carries the show anyways. And right. On my shoulders, like a ton of fucking bricks. Absolutely. Like, like call you fucking Atlas over there, bro. I should be. Yeah. If only I were Your dogs are crazy right now. My dogs are crazy. They're fucking stupid. Right now, my dogs are upstairs barking. If you guys can't hear that, hopefully the... Uh, the oh, there it is. They probably heard that one. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, that dog's a pain in the case. ass. So anyway, you guys know we're just a couple of musicians and assholes that love history and cannot get enough of the mysterious. We want you guys to all know how much it means to us that you're listening to us at this very moment. Your reviews and support really do make all the hard work worthwhile. And in saying that, please stop over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now and give us a five-star review. It does help for some fucking reason, um, but as you may or may not know, uh, you know, we're not doctors, right? I mean, We are not doctors. We are not doctors. You know, I could have been. We we did get another new review. You saw that one? I did see that. The it's reviews good. have been coming in I pretty well. And uh, what was his name? Mac? I believe I, so. I believe so. He's uh, yeah. starting a podcast or something. Yeah. And he said he'd like to get together and... Uh, yeah. possibly do something with us his is like doing like some super uh super, like paranormal yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So we should definitely do this so mac if you're out there listening first of all welcome and uh thanks for being a listener and second absolutely. of all let's totally do something together absolutely as man. we continuously say that to rob over at the fun box <laughs> podcast <Yeah>. there's a <laughs> wait list let's put it that way. there's a very long it's called <laughs> it's not that there's a lot of people on the wait list it's just it's we're just lazy we don't do things we're just lazy yeah <laughs> we're just fucking lazy so anyway yeah stop and leave us a review over there it uh really does help and uh you can leave any review you'd like it doesn't matter. You can say Moody's eating pizza right now because he's actually. I am eating pizza. Right he now. is actually eating pizza right now. So just say that. It's just fantastic. ask Moody how the pizza is. By the is. way, if you're in the area, if you're in the Cleveland area, go get you some pizza from John's Bar. Yeah. How is it, by the way? Is it pretty good? It's fucking amazing. Is it? Good. Yeah, it's really you're good. not just saying that, right? No, it's, it's really good. All right, good. Yeah. Stop over at Aces Depot and grab yourself a pizza because they are pretty good. Yeah. You know, anyway. So, anyway. Again, leave us any review you want. Just say, ask Moody, how's the pizza? You know, whatever. Uh, you can also find us on Spotify and iHeartRadio by typing the Midnight Train Podcast in their search bar and clicking the follow button. You'll then get each episode as they are released magically. It'll just show up magically in your Spotify player. Or if you follow us on 
Apple and whatever. It'll pop up on that little purple icon. It'll tell you. It'll be like, these guys have a new fucking show. Episode. Not show. Episode. It's fantastic. It is pretty fantastic. Yeah. I get the notifications at like midnight, so thank you for that. Might have been like a day behind lately. No, my show up is like 12.05. I'm like, well. Yeah, it's so weird. Do you use Apple Podcasts? No, no, I use oh. Spotify. Oh, okay. Maybe that's the problem because Apple Podcasts. I don't Podcasts do Apple, is... dude. I don't. Well, that's good. Anyway. <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't know. But also, Patreon, you, you beautiful Patreon producers out there, uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed your newest uh, oh, daily you got it music up there? guide. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful. It's up there. It was on Hank Williams Sr. Sr. Like the good old Hank who actually passed away at the ripe old age. Of only 29 years old. Which fucking blew my mind. Yeah. I had no, I like pictured an old man fucking. He had a lot of shit going on no too. Idea, and dude. and like the, just the, um, uh, the impact he had in, in those, such a short time, that short amount of time. It's yeah. like Buddy Holly. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Like the, yeah. so it's really cool if you guys get a chance. Uh, <laughs> Funny uh-oh. story about that oh, really shit. quickly. Uh, Cause you know, they all, those guys all died in the, in a plane crash together. Right. Big Bopper, um, you know, Richie Valens. Richie Valens. Yeah. So I'm like going through looking for. I always like to stay ahead of the game on on day the music died subjects. I, I have a little list going. I shared it with some of the people with you, and I'm like looking at people who died. I like to kind of keep it. So what I basically do is I look for uh, people that have passed away around the time that the episode would be coming out. Okay. So I was looking for like people that died like late January, early February for the next one, and I'm like I started looking. I was like, oh, Buddy Holly, and then I saw like the list. I was looking. I was like the Big Bopper. I'm like. Richie, I'm like, wow, all these people died on the same. And then I'm like, <laughs> God damn it. Like it hit me. I was just like, wow, we did that one. We dude. did that one. So yeah, if you guys, did. if you guys want to listen to that, it's just this little side thing that uh, Moody and I do as bonuses for you guys. Uh, just sign up over at uh, patreon.com forward slash the midnight train podcast or head over to the midnight train podcast.com, which has had a little bit of an update, including a new store up there with some new merchandise. Nice. I saw the new shirt. I like it. Yeah. Like yeah the it. new shirt's pretty cool. I went dark with it. That's I wanted good. it, I wanted yeah. it to look dark and like, yeah. you know because that's um, how we are that's our souls right, right. There. we're black yes and evil yes and dark if we even have souls i, I, I lost mine a long time ago <laughs> but anyway you can get some cool merchandise over there um there's even a wraparound t-shirt now that i designed on there it has our logo like all over it it looks pretty cool <laughs> nice. yeah it's pretty badass it's totally gaudy and like amazing perfect like it would make a really cool like uh, a night shirt for like if you know one of you beautiful ladies out there were like yeah. hey that would make a cool little night shirt you know I'd have to get like a five X to make it a night shirt for me. Yeah, um, we're gonna partner up with Tense R Us. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hey, that's fine. Whatever, man. So anyway, there's all kinds of stuff over there at the MidnightTrainPodcast.com. You can sign up for Patreon. You can get merchandise. You can just tell us how awesome we are. You can do whatever you want. And plus, sign up over at our official Facebook group page. It's fun. It's cool. It's been kind of slow lately. But we got to pick it up. We got to make sure people are throwing those memes out there because it's all <laughs> I care about. I'm here for the memes. Yeah, we have a good time with that. That's it. I'm here for the memes. So, all right, let's turn on the lights, adjust our seats, grab a drink, and let's get spooky. But first, uh, here's a toast to all you beautiful motherfuckers.
Hopefully you guys know who this is. That's a great song, dude. It is a great song. It's so good. It's the karaoke version. You it is. Sing a little bit? It is the karaoke version. I'd have to hear the, the, the key change on it. I love this damn song. Yeah, it's a great song. If you guys don't know the song, it's uh, Dead Man's Party by Oingo Boingo. Oingo Boingo. Who's absolutely one of my favorite bands. And... What's, do you know what the tie into this is? Of course. Why do you think I'm playing okay, it right now? I'm just making sure, dude. And we're going to talk about it. Oh, there it is. I was like, wait, what happened? Uh. Who could ask for more? <laughs> it's a dead man's party. Leave your body. Whatever. Dude, it's yeah, such a great song. Yeah, yeah. My favorite part's that uh, the key change coming over. Sorry, we're to- totally talking over this song. It's amazing. Uh, good Fun. Love that, dude. Yeah. So anyway, that's Oingo Boingo. If you guys don't know who Oingo Boingo is, guess what? We're going to talk about it here in our notes. And when we're we? talking about... We are? We're talking about Tim Burton today. That's right, buddy. The infamous, the one and only. The, this uh, is the one you guys have been asking for. You guys have been asking this for this for a while. seemed like it was a yeah. one that you guys really wanted. So. so first, a quote from the man. It says, visions are worth fighting for. Why spend your life making someone else's dreams? I mean, that's a pretty cool quote. Yeah, I mm-hmm. thought it was, uh, and I thought it was fitting, you know, for us too. Yeah, it's true. So that's right. That's what we're here for. Yeah, we're here to pursue our own dreams. Yeah, fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so today's episode comes to you as per your recommendation, passengers. Nope, it's not another haunted tale about a murderous house or another far-fetched story about Moody having his colon cleansed by an alien with a shop vac. One time, dude. I know. Heaven, one time. Sorry. We asked who you wanted to hear about, and you answered. Pretty much unanimously, everyone was talking about this. We put out, you know, different things like, hey, who would you guys like to see out of this, this, this? And Tim Burton popped up. You sexy some bitches wanted to hear about none other than Mr. Burton. So today, we're going to discuss all things related to the fantastic thrill ride known as Big Trouble in Little China. That's right. Jack Burton. Switched it on you. Kurt Russell. <laughs> and his big rig crushing. No, I'm just kidding. I'm Dude, just kidding. You know I could talk for two hours about that I movie, know. We could so. probably just do an entire, just, <laughs> just discuss the movie or whatever. No, we were actually talking about the other Mr. Burton of importance. Tim Burton, of course. Tim Burton was born Timothy Walter Burton on August 25th, 1958 in Burbank, California. His mother was Jean Burton, later the owner of a cat-themed gift shop. Lending to the I notion, might, I thought you might like that. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> Lending to the notion that she too was quirky before quirky became fashionable. So, oddly enough, when I was looking this up, uh, I, I remember telling you before there's there's not a whole lot about his childhood. Right. Like, uh, I looked through a couple of books, and uh, every chapter on his childhood was like the first chapter in the book, and they were all like four or five pages long. And depending on what book you look at or who you read. They have his middle name different in a couple of them. The the middle name that I have was Walter, right? Uh, Walter, yes, correct. Okay, that is uh, uh, from everything I can tell. That's the correct one. But some people have a different middle name, and I think they. I think other people. I saw William like twice. So and I saw um, something. I saw something else a couple of times too. Well, but from everything that I can gather. Walter is the correct name. All right. So it's Walter. But we're just going to call him Tim Burton or just Burton or Mr. Burton or or maybe some other shit as we're going through here. Mr. T. Mr. Mr. T. Well, I'm talking about his mother with the cat theme shop and being quirky. He says, I quote, I don't know about that. He frowns. Um, quote, I find it or I found it more uh, horrific than quirky, but that's my opinion. <laughs> Opening a cat store in Burbank was just a very strange idea. I don't think it did very well. 
That's fucked up. <laughs> his father, William uh, Bill Burton, a former minor league baseball player who was working for the Burbank Parks and Recreation Department. That kind of surprised me. Yeah. That his father was a, a minor league baseball player, like a sports guy. Yeah. He you doesn't seem like a yeah, sports guy. No. Well, he'll, you, they talk, he talks about it. Yeah, I know. Bit. Oh, yeah. Oh, trust me. Yeah, he definitely, like, that threw me for a loop. I, I, oh, yeah. It's his pretty funny. dad seemed like a real, like, manly, yeah. like, you know. You're going to throw the ball. Yeah. You pussy. Get what out there. That? Get out there and hit somebody. Right. Do stop, something. Stop. Did you, did you get her number? Did you get her? <laughs> did, you didn't? So Tim's younger brother, Daniel, was born in, born in 1961. So although we grew up in a typical American family in a typical American suburb, Tim did not have a typical happy childhood. He recalls that he was a sad child who kept to himself. He didn't even feel close to his family. His father, as we were talking about, wanted him to play sports, and his mother tried to get him interested in playing the clarinet, but Tim resisted both. First of all, why the clarinet? What the fuck? Uh, Full disclosure, fifth grade, I played the clarinet. Not a shocker. I tried to play the saxophone, but we were too broke, and my mother told me no. <laughs> Swear to God. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, whatever. So although he did admit to playing baseball for a bit, quote, I played baseball, he reluctantly admits. My dad was a baseball player. He had been a professional athlete, and so it's easy for me to relate to that sort of dynamic with parents and kids pushing and pulling them one way or the other. So he played a little baseball. All right. A little bit. He's been a great. I can't imagine he was good. I can't. I mean, he probably just stood there, <laughs> like just easy out. Everybody move up. You know. You know what the, the picture that comes to my mind is. Um, what is that Disney movie where the kid builds the time machine to find his real parents? Oh my God! Why can't I think of it off the top of my head right now? That doesn't even sound familiar to me. So there's this little kid named Goob in the movie. Goob. Yeah, meet the Robinsons. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Oh, dude, it's amazing. It's honestly one of my favorites. I think favorites. my kids have watched it. I haven't watched it. So he, this kid was in a uh, a um, a foster home or an orphanage, whatever you want to call it, because he didn't have any parents. His mom left him on the doorstep, whatever, yada, yada. So his roommate, his name is Goob, and they're kids. And Goob is like Mr. Baseball. Well, the kid who builds the time machine is just up all day and all night for the science fair trying to build a time machine so he can go and visit, you know, or whatever. Actually, it was a, a thing to... Um, replicate your memories to bring memories like kind of out on a TV. So anyway, the entire time he's keeping this kid awake, Goob, Goob ends up going out to play baseball and he's so tired that his eyes are like, there's big black rings under his eyes and he's just sitting there like falling asleep. That's who Tim Burton, that's what I think of with him out there. I can see that, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) sorry for that little (laughs) tangent. So he spent now, a great, back to the show. <laughs> he spent a great deal of time uh, of his time in his room or watching TV and uh, talking of his strange childhood. He recounts a story of his parents almost literally walling him in. This is a weird. This yeah. is fucking weird. Yeah. Quote, when I was younger, I had these two windows in my room, nice windows that looked out onto the lawn. And for some reason, my parents walled them up and gave me this little slit window that I had to climb up on a desk to see out of. I never did ask them why, but my parents are dead now. <laughs> So I guess the answer will remain unanswered as to why they sealed me in the room. I guess they just didn't want me to escape. Yeah. What? Yeah. Like, I very matter of fact about that too. Yeah, but they're dead. Yeah, but they're dead. Fuck them. (laughs) Fuck them and they're slit. Yeah. It's just weird. That sounds dirty. That did sound dirty. I apologize for that. So when he was 10 years old, Tim went to live with his grandmother. She allowed him to spend even more time by himself, which he appreciated. He did not have many friends. Unlike other kids his age, he was not interested in after-school activities, sports, or popular music. 
He felt like he did not fit in, especially at school where he was not a good student, which kind of surprises me that he wasn't a, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, you got to, the way I looked at it, because it kind of surprised me too, but I figured that it was probably because he had to be like, he was probably one of those like weird, just kind of like daydreamer kids. Like he would have rather be, like he was probably thinking about art, music, things like that, weird stuff, and just kind of in his own world. You're right, you're right. Well, rumor has it that he actually attempted to burn the place down with everyone in it. Actually, I'm kidding. That rumor was actually created by me just now at this exact moment. And, of course, it's horseshit. Like, he he didn't try to burn the place down. <laughs> Calm someone, down, folks. Someone burned down my school when I was in high school. Did they really? Yeah, Strongsville. They tried to burn it down. Did they really? find out who it was? They, Please tell me it was Mark Hunter. No, it definitely wasn't Mark Hunter. <laughs> they know who it was. Lots of politics behind it. It oh. was kind of a weird thing, but, yeah. yeah. That's fucked up. We were out of school for, like, two weeks in the middle of winter. It's kind of nice, actually. <laughs> You're like, yay! Yeah. <laughs> Although he felt alone in his world, Tim did find one thing that made him feel at home. Monster movies, which I can relate with. Hell yeah. He spent many hours watching these movies on TV and in theaters. He identified with Frankenstein, Godzilla, and the creature from the Black Lagoon. Tim felt that the creatures in the movies were not evil. Rather, they were just misunderstood. In his mind, it was the people trying to destroy the creatures who were the real monsters. <laughs> In the book Burton on Burton, he says, quote, I've always loved monsters and monster movies. I was never terrified of them. I just loved them from as early as I can remember. And that's me. That's exactly me sure. as a kid. That's what I was yeah, doing. Man. I was watching monster movies and shit like that. Feeling more empathy for the monsters in the uh, popular horror movies of the day than he did with the adults in his life. He says, quote, I don't know why, but I always related to characters like Frankenstein. 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 Frau Blucher. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. I think a lot of kids do, he goes on to say, it's easier to relate to the monsters in the sense of he's alone. Growing up, you could feel those feelings and the way you felt about your neighbors is like they're the angry villagers. Okay, makes sense, yeah. right? You sure. know, like everyone's fucking, you're just kind of doing your own thing and everyone's all like me, you know? I get it. I was, ne- uh, quote, I was never scared of monster movies. I could happily watch a monster movie, but if I had one of my relatives come over, you'd be terrified. <laughs> the poor dude. <laughs> He's hiding from people. Yeah. It sounds like my daughter right now, actually. She's so antisocial. How old is she, 13? 13, yeah, the, well, the youngest one, yeah. yeah. She's just so antisocial. And I'm like, come on, let's go do this. <sighs> I don't really want to. What are you going to do? Just sit here and draw. Maybe she'll be like Tim Burton when she grows up. What do you think? Be a proud pappy if she did. Yeah, yeah make that money. <laughs> Don't put me in a home, Charlie. <laughs> so th- those same basic facts are always trotted out about Burton's childhood. The young Burton won a poster designing competition when in the ninth grade, and his anti-litter design adorned, ad- adorned the sides of Burbank's garbage trucks for a year. That's pretty neat. That's pretty cool, yeah. He rarely mentions his younger brother, um, which honestly, throughout this entire thing, like you barely hear anything. We, about it. The only thing we mentioned about it was that he had a young, like literally, his younger brother was born, and that was that's like the only <laughs> thing. I, that's legitimately the only thing I found about his younger brother. He wanted to be the actor who plays Godzilla, yeah. which is pretty. You want to be the guy in the suit? Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Uh, obviously, he did play sports, but uh, has since um, described himself as pushed into it, like we said, by his father. He produced a number of Super 8 home movies that have been since lost, which, yeah, which is a bummer. I'd love yeah. to see what he did. That'd be super cool. And those are pretty much the rest of the basics that you'll <clears throat> always find when you're looking for info about his childhood. That's about it, man. That's pretty much all you're going to find. <laughs> yeah, there's not much else. So moving on, lots of cool information here, especially if you are a a... If you're a fan of Tim Burton, 
You're gonna find. We're, we're gonna tell a lot you of some good shit. stuff about his early yeah. er, his early time, and then like as we move into his later movies, I kind of I kind of focus more on his early stuff um, because you move into his later movies is more recent stuff. Like more people are familiar with what he's done, and and it's easier to find stuff on early movie or on more recent stuff. So right. so there's a there was a lot of good information about his early years that I wanted to make sure I got in there before we got to all that you know what i mean it's pretty awesome like i actually learned a lot and i was very i'm very intrigued by this episode so in many ways this is unsurprising burton himself has gone on record about the uneventful nature of his early life saying quote it's weird but the only experiences i remember from childhood are the ones which had a major impact fearful fearful things like from a scary movie so that's pretty much all he remembers going through numerous interviews it does indeed seem that the only thing excuse me, only things from this time that actually stuck with him are scary movies and the odd cult TV show, be it The Prisoner or Gilligan's Island. Only when he's asked by interviewers to explain the origins of his images of a bleak, bland, suffocating suburbia like, you know, Frankenweenie, Edward Scissorhands, The Nightmare Before Christmas, Ed Wood, or pretty much every movie he's ever been a part of. (laughs) Um, Also, alienated children like Vincent, Beetlejuice, Batman Returns, Mars Attacks, The Melancholy Death of Oscar (laughs) Boy, or any other movie he's, you know, been a part of. Right. I mean, that's just what it is. Or sometimes heroes who seem weird to the people around them, you know, like all of his (laughs) fucking movies. (laughs) Only at these times does Burton seemingly um, his seemingly bored, but such a uh, by, by such a line of questioning, roll out the usual anecdotes that seem to be accepted as representative of his childhood. So basically, I mean, he, he's ra- he put himself in pretty much every movie he's ever made. There's a part yeah. of him in every movie, and as we yeah, go through this, you'll that's understand. What that's yeah. what he likes to talk about. Basically, like when people talk about his childhood, he. he in not so many words, he basically just says like, "Watch, watch my movies." Yeah, there you go. You know what that's I mean? how you, that's how you find out about so. him. So when impressed, Burton's most regular description of his youth is to state something along the lines of, quote, if you, if you didn't speak well, if you didn't hang out with the other children or didn't play sports, if you liked monster movies, you were strange. To the young Mr. Burton, though, this outside uh, uh, status had advantages. The very fact that they categorized him this way allowed him to see the world from an external point of view. Quote, that meant my perception of normality was strange. For me, reality is bizarre. So he's a little quirky little dude, you know? So, I mean, it it makes sense. And obviously, watching his movies, it all makes sense. However, Burton clearly didn't see this aspect of his childhood as unique, nor did he consider that he was a special, isolated case. Quote, every time I looked around, it looked like everyone had their own private world. You didn't see too many people paying attention. They were in their own special worlds. Now, this was an idea that he would soon be able to explore in his short film, Vincent. Now, have you seen this? I haven't seen it. No, I haven't seen it. I want to. I want to find it somewhere. It's got to be sure online somewhere, somewhere, right? So it could be said that Burton has reshaped his own experiences in childhood to suit his later media image, that of the shy yet talented young artist, and has now come to rely on them, maybe even believe them, uh, exactly as another imaginative young man comes to believe his fantasies in Burton's first film to receive any kind of commercial release, Vincent, as Burton's friend and frequent collaborator Glenn Shaddix put it, quote. The magazine of I, uh, magazine idea of Tim is this weird, wigged out, crazy person, and he's not like that. I mean, that's how I look at him. I'm not, <laughs> he's, no, yeah. he's a little bit nutty. Whatever. Um, he, he continues to say there's uh, something very solid about him. Yes, I think he always felt like a fish out of water growing up, but that doesn't mean his creativity is fueled by pain or anger. Now, Caroline Thompson, again, both a friend and a collaborator, feels the same way. 
For her, Burton's work has a, quote, real affection for neighborhood life, although he perpetuates, wow, holy, you can do it, man. I think I can, I think I can. Although he perpetuates this perception of himself, damaged from uh, my perspective, it's just the opposite. He's escaped some fundamental damage that shuts most people down. Okay, that's what she says. Yeah. Burton's life begins to be better documented from the time he first moved into the film world, having won a scholarship to the Disney-backed California Institute of the Arts. That's Cal Arts in 1976. Oosh. Yeah, that's big. That's good. Uh, that's that's big. one of those good schools. Right. So one of his short film projects while at Cal Arts, <clears throat> Stalk of the Celery Monster, was soon deemed good enough <laughs> by Disney to warrant offering him a job as an animator, and he shifted base to Disney's Burbank lot. Yeah, so... Basically, one of his first jobs was got hired right out of college right, to work being at an animator for for um yeah for Disney, which yep. is fucking crazy. Think about that. Like of all the things, gotcha, bitch. If you're happy and you know I kill that bug, yeah. So it could be said that Burton has. Oh, I'm sorry, I already with Jesus, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, where, where is, is it? it? There it is. There it is. Thank you. <laughs> so despite not being credited on the films, Burton's initial tenure at Disney saw him working on both The Fox and The Hound and Tron, which is freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, The Fox and The Hound's great, but Tron, dude, get out of here. I had no idea that he worked on those movies. That's insane. Moody is still eating pizza for you. I'm here. Yeah, I mean, dude, <laughs> I'm big and fat and I got to eat. That's fine. I'm going to take a drink. How do you like that? I've had it, man. I'm not going to call you out for it. Why not? Because. Because you're nice. Because I love you. Oh. <laughs> so his work was enough to get him recognized by a couple of Disney executives who allotted him a small sum of cash to develop a short film of his own based on a poem he had written. This came to be known as Vincent. A Vince. short stop animation film that followed a boy named Vincent that wants nothing more than to be Vincent Price. Narrated. Yeah, it sounds like it'd be cool narrated by price himself yeah. which is fucking amazing because yep. i mean it's vincent fucking price so I've, I've seen some stills from the movie like some pictures while doing my like you can see the it's black and white you can see the stills and stuff oh you can watch it i don't know where it says you can watch it but well tubi's got it and you could i guess youtube apparently has it too there you go i'm gonna do that i'm gonna sit down and freaking watch that because it's that, only five minutes long that's awesome well, not anywhere close to what would be considered quote-unquote Disney material for the time the short film was still a strong first effort from Burton as a director. Vincent, the short film, received accolades and awards. Well, because, I mean, it's Vincent fucking Price. Hello. And Tim Burton. And Burton would frequently reference it in his future works. So, I mean, like, he's starting off pretty big. Yeah, I mean. Starting off pretty awesome, you know what I mean? Like, you get a job working. Well, you, first of all, you, you get... To go to Cal Arts. Cal Arts, yeah. On a scholarship. On a scholarship. And then you go to Disney. And then they say, hey, you're pretty good. You want to do an animated thing? Here's Vincent Price to work on it with you and voice it for you. I mean, okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's not bad. Despite Vincent's relative success, the short film only saw a small limited release in a single Los Angeles movie theater before being locked away into the Disney vault. However, Burton's effort on the film was not overlooked. He was given additional work as both an animator and a concept artist for Disney's next feature animated film, The Black Cauldron. Uh, I had no idea that he worked on that either. I had no clue. No idea I liked that one growing up. 
Yeah, I mean these, these are older movies. Yeah. I mean like yeah, the yeah. Black Cauldron, Fox and the Hound, Tron. Dude, I liked I liked the Black Cauldron. It was weird and it was different for a Disney movie, right. which comes into play in a second here. But well, correct because not so affectionately known as the Black Sheep of Disney films, the Black Cauldron uh, Black Cauldron suffered a number of issues during production. Creative differences between personnel led to animators leaving the project. After a screening of the film in 1984, Disney exec um, Jeffrey Katzenberg marched down to the editing room and started to cut the scarier scenes himself. It wasn't until Disney CEO Michael Eisner stepped in that Katzenberg relented. Still, over 12 minutes of footage ended up being cut from the film. Dick move, Katzy. Dick move. Yeah, really fucked up, bro. Yeah, fucking asshole. Motherfuckers. The Black Cauldron was a commercial and critical flop. With critics citing, uh, <laughs> there, thank you. <laughs> with critics citing flat characters, scary visuals, and sloppy jumps in the animation as key reasons for the film's failure. Yeah, wonder why there were sloppy jumps in the animations, dicks. Probably because of old Catsy went in all willy nilly, just chopping shit up. What an asshole! Again, I say, dick move, Catsy. Dick yeah. move. Yeah, yeah. It's why fun. don't we go in and fucking cut up his movies? Yeah. See how he likes it. Just go in and cut up all his ties and belts. Now, how does it feel now? Yeah. What are you gonna do with that? Just cut the belts off one loop to yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> of every pair of pants. <laughs> like what the fuck is going on? <laughs> However, while production <laughs> while production on the Black Cauldron was wrapping up, Burton was already hard at work on a project of his own. While the trouble, what's up? Just Uh-oh. found this out. Uh oh. The uh, the Black Cauldron was the first Disney movie to receive a PG rating. Well, I can see that it's kind of dark. It's fucking frightening. It's, oh, I don't know about frightening. But it's just funny because, like, that's a big deal for Disney, you know? It's like, this is the first movie I've ever made to get a PG rating. <laughs> oh, no. What are we going to do? Yeah. Golly gee. <laughs> I don't know, Mr. Disney. That seems really scary. I don't know if we can put this out, Walt. It's got a PG rating. I'm scared. <laughs> So while the troubled production wrapped up on The Black Cauldron in 1984, Tim Burton had managed to secure a budget for another short film through Disney. So Tim Burton's Frankenweenie, and yes, you guys are probably like, yeah, well, hold your horses. It clocks in at just under a half an hour, and the cast included Shelley Duvall from The Shining. Yeah, freaky-looking lady. Yep. Fits perfectly into a Tim Burton She was also olive oil. Yeah. Sophia Coppola, the uh, director of Lost in Translation, which is a Will Ferrell movie, mm-hmm. and Daniel Stern. Yes, that I love Daniel, Daniel Stern. I love Daniel Stern. You know, Mar from Home Alone and the narrator of the 80s television hit show, The Wonder Years, which most of you are probably too young to know or remember, and you should be fucking ashamed I of yourself. I always forget that he's the narr- that did the narration. I on love that. him. Anyway, Frank and Winnie follows the story of a young Victor Frankenstein living Stein. in a... <laughs> Frankenstein! Living Frank in a call you Frederick. I go. Well, Victor Frankenstein living in a uh, picturesque white picket fence suburban neighborhood. All is well until his dog Sparky is struck by a car right in front of him. Ugh. His characters named Frankenstein often tend to do. He sneaks out in the night to raid the grave of his former friend and straps the corpse to a table hooked up to a number of improvised electric instruments. One bolt of lightning later, and Victor's pal is back to wagging his tail, just as he did before the accident, just with a few more stitches, and from the looks of things, pieces of other people's dogs. From there, the film plays just as any other Frankenstein's monster story would, but instead of angry villagers, you have paranoid neighbors. Instead of a fearsome, misunderstood monster, there is a spry, happy, reanimated puppy. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, the film is a callback to the golden age of the silver screen, both in style and substance, Disney executives weren't as impressed with the final product. Fucking Catsy's involved in this, I guarantee you. He had to be. You know that son of a bitch. He's got some sort of vendetta. He's a fucking prick. Belt loops, bitch. Asshole. You know that's a fucking scene chopping son of a bitch. You know what else would be fun if we did that? You just, instead of the belt loop, just take all of his pants and shorten them by like two inches. (laughs) (laughs) Did I fucking grow overnight? What the Dude, shit? We should do that to somebody. Yeah, that sounds fun. <laughs> we should talk to Jeff's girlfriend and, and have her start bringing us his pants like when he's not wearing them. And we'll just start... <laughs> just start replacing them. Shortening all his pants. <laughs> just have them like two inches shorter. <laughs> I love it. So Frank and Weenie was meant to accompany the theatrical re-releases oh, of The Jungle Book and Pinocchio. Yeah, it was supposed to be either before or after those, like, right. like in a matinee type deal. Yeah, so but uh, after reviewing the film, the execs deemed that it was far too scary. It's scary, Mr. Disney! Fucking cats Golly gee! <laughs> so anyway, they said it was too scary for the children that would be filling the theaters. And, you know, because kids are just fucking pussies anyway, so whatever. You know, just saying. Just kidding. Not they really. weren't back then. We were tough motherfuckers back then. That is true. We were a lot tougher. Staying home alone at like four. Babysitting when you're like five. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Somebody else's kid. (laughs) Slapping a shit. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So the film was shelved, placed into the Disney vault alongside Vincent, and Burton was accused of, quote, wasting money on a kid's, kid's film too scary to be actually seen by kids. Tim Burton was then fired from Disney after completing the film, stating that, quote, it was a... Thank you very much, but go your way and we'll go our way kind of thing. Catsy, you fucking prick. He was behind the whole thing. You know he was. Fucking short pant having motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Given that Frankenweenie was completed just after the disastrous 1984 screening of The Black Cauldron, it's no surprise that Disney would want to distance themselves from yet another film that was quote-unquote too scary. Although Frank and Winnie was not released to the public, it was shown in uh, private screenings. Comedian this, pa- is, this is one of my favorite parts this of the whole This is amazing, story. by the way. Comedian Paul Rubens was at one of these screenings when he saw the film. And while not masturbating into a bucket of popcorn this time, Rubens knew that Burton was the perfect person to bring his character, Pee-wee motherfucking Herman, to the big screen. Fuck yeah, dude. You know how many people don't know that he did that movie? I, I didn't know that until really yeah until I was doing going through the research no and stuff. Shit. Swear to God, I didn't oh, know. All right. It well, makes all the sense in the world now. You're though. the asshole. Then. Yeah, I am the asshole. <laughs> so Burton was 26 when he met Rubens, uh, aka Pee Wee. But then Rubens's character of Pee Wee Herman was well developed. Um, if you've been uh, hogtied in someone's basement for the last 30 years, again, Pee Wee Herman was a grown man, but his bizarre and often immature behavior made him seem more like a spoiled child. He always dressed in a gray suit with a red red bow tie. He had a large collection of toys, including his most prized possession, a shiny red bicycle, which would inevitably be stolen by that fat fuck Francis. That guy was a dick, although his bathtub was awesome. I know you are, but what am I? (laughs) I love that. Sorry, sorry. So old TB, that's Mr. Burton to you passengers, was thrilled. Not, when he, not tuberculosis. Not down this time. That was last episode. <laughs> it was lots of episodes. Jesus. Yeah. Well, he was thrilled when a representative from Warner Brothers Studios asked him to direct the movie Pee-wee's Big Adventure. He liked the material and he needed another project since he had quit his job over at Disney after finishing Frankenweenie or, or was asked to leave or, or was shit canned. I mean, either way, he, he fucking left, whatever. 
He I also think, felt. I think, I think Kathy peed in his gas tank too. Yeah, probably did. Kathy's such a fucking what a brick. bitch. Fucking asshole. <laughs> he also <laughs> felt that he understood the Pee Wee Herman character. According to Burton, quote, the Pee Wee character was just into what he was doing. It was nice that he didn't really care about how he was perceived. He operated in his own world, and there's something I find very admirable about that. About that, yeah. you know, you know, like jerking it in movie theaters. And by the way, that really happened past. All years. right, look, who hasn't jerked in a movie theater? Uh, I'm raising my hand right now. I guarantee you, the people listening, that at least half of them have done way worse in movie theaters. God, I hope not. <laughs> Are you being serious? I am being dead serious. Oh my God, Moody, what do I not know about you? I've never done it. Oh, now it's I've never done it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that literally happened. Pee Wee was caught jerking off in a theater. He got busted. Yeah. Well, it's whatever, man. Yeah, you can look it up. It was like an adult theater, though. Yeah. Who gives yeah. a shit. Yeah. What the I hell know. else are you going to do when you're in there? I guess it does make sense. Like, Who's going to go sit in an adult movie theater just to watch the movie? Yeah, I guess that makes a lot of sense. Still, it's gross. Anyway, <laughs> I wouldn't want to clean up after that. Anyway, in the movie, Pee Wee's beloved bicycle <laughs> is stolen by fucking Francis. Francis. <laughs> he goes on a cross-country trek to get it back, and on the way meets many interesting characters. Burton was careful to not put too many of his own ideas into the film. He understood that although he was the director, it was Rubens's Rubens's. <laughs> it was Pee Wee's movie. Rubens's. Rubens's. <laughs> but Burton was still able to add some of his own personal touches. For example, there are two pi- parts. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, we're gonna. Thank you. And see, so here's the thing: if you didn't know before, which you you said you didn't know, what that he directed it. When you hear the parts that he put in, it makes all the sense. It makes perfect. Makes all the sense. So if you didn't know that he actually was a part of uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, um, there are two parts that feature stop motion animation. We know how much he loves that. Burton used this technique to animate a scene in which Pee Wee dreams his bicycle is being eaten by a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Ah! Ah! <laughs> he also used stop motion to animate a truck driver named Large Marge. Best scene in the movie. Many people think that Large Marge's distorting head is one of the funniest parts of the oh, movie. Yeah. So good. Tell him Large Marge sent you. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> cool side story. The same group that animated the large Marge scene also did the stop motion animation for the Will Ferrell film Elf. No kidding. You know the part in, uh, where Buddy was heading off to New York to see his dad and the Norwal says, Bye, Buddy. Yeah. I hope you find your dad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that same was... guys? It was the Chiodos brothers. Oh. Even deeper into that, John Ooh. Favreau, one of I our favorite directors, was the director of Elf. Right. And Iron Man. Right. And the Avengers. Right. And all kinds of great movies. Swingers. Swingers. He actually voiced the narwhal. The no guy kid. That, the guy that goes, bye, buddy. That's John Favreau? It's John Favreau. That's amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> Sorry, I had to nerd out on that. That's no, good. I like yeah, it. Yeah, it's so amazing. And if you want to, uh, actually, I got that information from um, Jeff actually got a hold of me and told me to check out the Christmas movies that made us. Mm-hmm. And that was actually in there. And it stuck to me like glue. I was just like, <gasps> That's awesome. It's amazing. So yeah, check that out on Netflix if you guys are out there listening. Anyway, another way that Burton enhanced the movie was with his unexpected choice of composer for the musical score. Burton hired Danny Elfman. Hmm, who's Danny Elfman? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he was uh, the leader of a little band called, oh, I don't know, Oingo fucking Boingo. Oingo Boingo. That's Full right. Circle. The Full band that we were just circle. playing a second ago who does, uh, they do weird science. Yep. 
and then <laughs> it's a dead man's party and yep. so many amazing hits dude they are so good so he's the lead singer of the band oingo boingo whose song was our drink pop tune in the episode yep and uh you know he asked him to create the music for the movie Although Elfman had never scored a movie before and literally almost said no, he was going to call him and tell him no. That's amazing. And then changed his mind. He ended up doing the circus-like music that uh, was written, and it turned out to be perfect for Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Can you imagine what his movies would have been like without Danny Elfman? Because he's done damn near every film. That's what I'm saying. That he's ever been a part of. They'll talk about it. There's only like two that he hasn't done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one was because there was a squabble. Yeah. We'll get into yeah, that. Yeah. So the next film that the Burton, other one just wouldn't have made sense. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the next film that Burton would direct would be none other than Beetlejuice. Love that movie. Can I get a round of applause for Beetlejuice? Beetlejuice, please? Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Yeah, thank you. My kids, my kids love that movie. So for those of you who, for some ridiculous reason, don't know, the plot revolves around a recently deceased couple who become ghosts haunted. When <laughs> I fucked that all Jesus Christ, dude. They actually become wow. the ghosts haunting their former home. So Correct. they become ghosts and they haunt their house. They die. And, and an they... obnoxious, devious poltergeist named Beetlejuice, or what I used to think it was called Beetlegeist. Well, that's, it's that's how it's spelled originally. Yeah. Like if you look the at G the G in there. Yep. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he came from the netherworld and tries to scare away the new inhabitants. So the new ghosts. Beetlejuice's budget was a mere $15 million with just $1 million given over to visual effects work. Considering, which is, which is nuts. Mind blowing when you watch that movie. Yeah, it's so good. Considering the scale and scope of the effects, which included stop motion, replacement animation, prosthetic makeup, puppetry, and blue screen, it was always Burton's intention to make the style similar to the B movies he grew up with as a child. Quote, I wanted to make them look cheap and purposely fake looking. That's so awesome. Yeah, it's great. And uh, the test screenings were met with positive feedback and prompted Burton to film an epilogue featuring Beetlejuice foolishly <laughs> angering that. a witch That's doctor. So good at the end. Yeah, at the very end. Oh, hey, look over there. <laughs> oh, <clears throat> looks like I'm next. And then he's like, oh, 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 what's going on? So um, Warner Brothers disliked the title Beetlejuice. And uh, <laughs> this is so good. Oh, God. I, I literally was reading this and I fucking just started laughing out loud to myself. And they wanted to call the film House Ghosts. So as a joke, Tim Burton suggested the name Scared Sheetless (laughs) and was horrified when the studio actually considered using it. And it's fucking amazing. I'm sorry. That's fucking amazing. I want to see a movie Scared Sheetless. There has to be one. We should make that movie. There should be one out there for sure. While working on Beetlejuice, Warner Brothers approached Burton about working on Batman. Yes, Batman. Batman. (laughs) One of the reasons that Burton wanted to direct Batman was that he felt that he understood the Batman character. He says, quote, I loved Batman. The split personality, the hidden person, it's a character I could relate to. Having those two sides, a light side and a dark one, and not being able to resolve them. It is important for Burton to connect to the characters he actually directs. Many observers believe this is why he tends to do movies about dark characters who, like himself, have trouble fitting in with the people around them. Makes all the sense in the world. Like we said, most of all his movies, of just watch them. All of it. And yeah. Even though he is a well-known director, Burton often feels like an outsider. He has suffered frequent bouts of depression and has a reputation for being short-tempered and moody. And not Mr. Moody. In his 20s... Thank God for him. <laughs> in his 20s, he had a hard time communicating with people and rarely made eye contact. Burton usually prefers to be alone rather than with other people. Even his appearance is unusual. 
He has pale skin, droopy eyes, and an unruly mop of dark hair. Dresses only in black. You know, it sounds exactly like me except with hair. So he looks like all of his characters, too. Aha! (laughs) Despite his reputation, Burton does have a few close friends. He's also had three long-term relationships. The first was with a German artist, Lena Gesicke. Gesicke. It's German, so... You you, you do you, buddy. Geisik. Sure. Geisik. How's it spelled? G-I-E-S-E-K-E. Geisik. Sounds good. I'm going to say it's Geisik. That's Austrian. I'm going to say it's Geisik. <laughs> Is that <laughs> better? She have a mustache. She might have a mustache. It's very, very compelling. I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, he met her while filming <laughs> Batman, and the two were married in 1989. <laughs> During the first year of his marriage to Geisik... Uh, Burton worked on Batman, a much bigger movie than anything he'd ever, ever worked on. The production uh, for Beetlejuice, once again, was $15 million. For Batman, it was $40 million. Which is still not that much. It's, you know, and it's really not, because I mean, I sit here and like as we go through some of these movies, you'll hear about how their budget, it's just increasing, Ooh, increasing, yeah. increasing. And, and I know for that times, movie... I know the times change and stuff, but like, think about like the sets, the props, the fucking like Batmobile... Like, all the stuff, like, the balloons, like, that scene, the parade scene with all the fucking... Like, that had to be an expensive movie. Jack Nicholson was probably, like, 39.7 million of that. Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson. Right. So, Burton filmed the movie at Pinewood Studios in Great Britain. He's the best Batman, by the way. Of course. He's coming back. Did you see that? I did see that. Yeah. Yeah. He'll be back for the new DC ones. So, it was uh, filmed in Great Britain at uh, Pinewood Studios, where his set took up, and yeah, get this... Most of the 95-acre backlot and 17 sound stages. That's a lot, but that's fucking nothing. Wait till you hear it later on for one of his other movies. All right. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So Burton faced several challenges working on Batman. One of the several. first... Yeah. And by the way, I loved these Batman movies. His... his The two that he did? Yes. He was supposed to do the third one, too, and he, he didn't do I it. I know, and damn But, it. Uh, dude, they were so... He's so got Mr. Good, Freeze man. who comes in. Chill out. Fucking horrible. Shut up, Arnold. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so anyway, he uh, he had a lot of challenges, and one of the first problems he uh, encountered was resistance. Resistance. God, my mouth. What the fuck is wrong with me? It happens like this every day, folks. Sorry. But anyway, the number one thing was resistance to his choice for the lead role. Burton cast the infamous Michael Keaton as the star of the movie, as we all know. Yes. Michael Keaton, you are a fucking treasure. Yeah. Mr. Mom. Yeah, Mr. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Gung-ho. Yeah. Dude, nobody ever remembers that fucking Fuck movie. them. What? God, where he goes to the car, de- the car plant over yeah. in like China or whatever. Absolutely. Oh, so good. No, the Chinese come here. Is that what it is? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Maybe I not. I thought he went over there and he had to get used to like everything because it was so different or Maybe whatever. you're right. And yeah. then they ended up coming back. Yeah. But then Multiplicity. <laughs> such a good movie. Dude, it's, he's just. I, loved, I love that movie because they just like his clothes just get dumber. Oh, they get dumber and dumber. And dumber. <laughs> Carbon copies. What's he say? I like ice cream. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> uh, so anyway, they wanted him in the movie, of course. And many people <laughs> doubted that Michael Keaton would make a good Batman. And they were fucking stupid. Those people are what we at the train station like to call dumbasses. Yeah, correct. correct. Yes. Yeah. He did not have a muscular build and was not considered to be an action-adventure actor because of all the great other previous it's roles that he's he ever done. Comedy, yeah. yeah. Angry assholes wrote hundreds of letters to Warner Brothers demanding that the part be recast. But Burton stood by his decision. He told interviewer Alan Jones, quote, I looked at actors that were more than fan image of Batman, but I felt it was such an uninteresting way to go. You know, because... He didn't want some big, muscly, fucking, like, total 
superhero looking guy. Like he wanted a normal guy. Like the one we wound up with. Yeah. Everyone we've wound up with. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. No, that's why he's the best. Another challenge Burton faced was that the writers kept rewriting parts of the script during filming. That would piss me <laughs> yeah, off. You imagine going in to shoot a scene. They're like, oh, we wrote that. What? <laughs> yeah, we rewrote that last night. <laughs> yeah, the, the fuck's the matter with it's you? It's totally not like that anymore. Jesus. Yeah, so actually Batman, he's dead. <laughs> like, what the? So the writers got new ideas or realized that certain parts of the script would not work as well as they had originally thought. The constant changes were confusing and frustrating for Burton. He struggled to make the movie flow smoothly and to be sure that the plot was not too hard to follow. He told Jones, quote, It was tough from the point of having no time to regroup after the script revisions. I never had time to think about them. I always felt like I was just catching up. Which, yeah, that, yeah. it's got to fucking suck. He's starting from scratch every day. Right, and on top of that, he also felt the pressure of working on a big budget picture. Studio executives had high hopes for the film. They had put a lot of money into it and expected it to make a lot of money back for them. In addition, millions of Batman fans were waiting to see how Burton would portray the beloved comic book character. This was also the first time that Burton had worked with a major star. You know, Jack Nicholson, who played the Joker and was a fucking superstar at the time. Yeah. And he was. He yeah. was huge. Absolutely. Like, it's fucking Jack Nicholson. Jesus. I was reading something, and I have to go back and double check, but... uh Apparently, like he, had, there was a quote from uh, from Tim Burton that said something about Jack Nicholson. They basically were like, "You can't cast Jack Nicholson and kill him off." And he's like, "So I recast him, uh, like so I cast him in three different movies and killed him every time or something like that." <laughs> but then I'm like, I don't know what other movies he was in that Jack Nicholson was in of his. Yeah, I don't, I can't remember. So I have to go back ones. and look at it. But like, I thought that I just thought that was basically he did it out of spite. After that, like he's like, "So I did it and killed him three times or whatever." I just still love my favorite line from Jack Nicholson in that entire movie was. Where does he get those wonderful <laughs> toys? Love it. Such a great movie. That was pretty good. That was that was all right. I'm, not my, bad. My not Nicholson's bad. all right. Yeah, it's not bad. I can get a little better. <laughs> can use a little work. But okay. I'm getting, it. I'm getting it. Burton met these challenges, and when Batman came out in 1989, it was a huge success, and it was a huge fucking yeah. success. I remember yeah, yeah. it was everywhere. McDonald's oh, yeah. had toys. toys like, everybody did. Everybody yep. had toys. It was everywhere. And, of course, Prince did a fucking video and wrote a song for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? The Bat Dance. That's how you know you're amazing. If someone of that magnitude, you know what I mean? God. Yeah, absolutely. Most of the fans liked the darker Batman that Burton created. However, Burton himself was not happy with the film. Shocker. He felt that the uh, he left the script unraveled, which result in a... Uh, well, he let it unravel, which resulted in a confusing plot with holes and inconsistencies. Burton eventually agreed to make the sequel, Batman Returns, because he wanted to correct these mistakes. But before working on the second Batman, Burton, uh, he kind of had a project of his own. You had something going on in between? A little bit. What was that? A little something. Well, between the two Batman movies, Burton wrote and produced a, uh, just, you know, this little, and directed this little weird movie called Edward Scissorhands. Ah, uh, not, uh... Not familiar? No, I never heard of it. <laughs> who's, who's in that? Anybody famous in that? Uh, yeah, well, you know, the idea for the movie came from one of his uh, many drawings, because, you know, okay, he liked sure. to draw. Yeah. Burton uh, drew constantly, both on and off the set, and the drawing that inspired the movie was of a young man who had large, razor-sharp scissors instead of hands, right? Freddy Krueger. No, Edward Scissor. No, you're, you're, no, different. No, no, oh, no. Okay, I guess I'm. In the movie, movie, uh, which has been described as a modern day fairy tale, Edward is the creation of an inventor played by Vincent fucking Price. Full circle. Thank you. Who died before he could give Edward human hands. An unusually shy and gentle man, Edward is left to go through life unable to touch anyone without hurting them. 
He is taken in by a kind woman played by Winona Ryder, who later went on to be Will's mom in Stranger Things. That's right. And for a while is welcomed by her neighbors, who are thrilled with his ability to... Actually, she, he was taken in by Winona Ryder's mom. Well, yeah, it was her... Yeah, but she, you know... It's family. And he got a crush on her. And, well, she yeah. more so had a crush on him. He was kind of like, well, whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's a little off, you know. Yeah. Anyway, they were thrilled with his ability to sculpt shrubs and cut hair. The entire neighborhood was... They were aghast. Yeah, the shrubs were great. Love the shrubs. But affection soon turns to fear, of course. There is a violent confrontation, after which Edward is exiled from the suburbs. Which, coming back full circle real quick, the guy who beat up Edward in the movie was Anthony Michael Hall. There you go. Anthony Michael Hall was in Weird Science. He was? Weird Science. Yeah. Oingo Boingo oh, wrote the theme song for it. Fucking. We need a. Yeah, we don't, why don't we, we have do that? We, have anything, we don't have anything close to that. We have nothing that, like that. We, gotta, we might have something. No, it's a little see. too late now. Yeah, I know, but we God. might have. Oh, we, we got. Oh, we could do this. No, What's that, that doesn't make sense. Hold on. We're waiting. No, you go ahead. Just keep going. That I'll was see. pretty epic, though. I mean, yeah, the way I brought that. What's, I don't know. We have brought that. I'm not even going to fuck. Just go ahead. All right. So, Burton. Burton cast this uh, this nobody that nobody even cares about anymore, or even heard of at the time. Uh, this nope, that nope, wasn't that it. doesn't work. Where was uh, that? The fucking yeah, it would have been perfect. Son of a yeah. bitch. But he he actually cast this guy by the name of Johnny Depp. Uh, you ever heard of him? Freddy Krueger. Mm, wait, yes, it's he the died. Second movie that he was in with a dude with razors for a head. It is because he was the he Crazy. died he in was that, that was his first movie. Into the bed. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Crazy. Anyway, so he got Johnny Depp to play the part of Edward Scissorhands. Burton felt that Depp had an innocent quality that was key to Edwards' character. He also thought that Depp had expressive eyes, which was more important because the character does not speak very much. Burton and Depp worked well together and went on to become very good friends. Though not a blockbuster, the movie did well. Most of the reviews from critics were positive, praising Burton's imaginative style. Many reviewers also noted that the movie was obviously a very personal one for Burton. In it, Burton's own own feelings and life experiences are strong themes, like pretty much every movie that he's ever done. Love you. (laughs) Like Edward, Burton felt he did not fit in with the surroundings, especially when he was young. He talks about this in an interview with Christine McKenna. Quote, school is your first taste of categorization. (laughs) Apparently there's an (laughs) under... Hold on. You guys... Oh, I was going to answer it on air. (laughs) That would have been amazing. It's probably asking for my fucking warranty again. (laughs) Sons of bitches. Anyway, he he says, school is your first taste of categorization, and you don't have to do much to be put in a weird category. I felt very lonely in school, and Edward Scissorhands was based on the loneliness I experienced as a kid. Okay, makes sense. Absolutely. But that's weird, because that's actually actually off. That's fucking... Yeah, but it's connected through your Bluetooth. That's Yeah, that's true. So Burton may have felt lonely as a child, but by the time Edward Scissorhands was released, he was in he was in huge demand. With four successful major motion pictures to his credit, Burton was one of the hottest directors in Hollywood. I mean, seriously, I remember his name being everywhere. Soon after Edward Scissorhands was released in 1990, Burton began working on Batman Returns. Yeah, buddy. I'm Batman. Was that good? No. I'm Batman. Is that better? No. 
I'm Batman. Perfect. <laughs> ha! <laughs> Nailed it. Although the movie did very well at the box office, some critics felt that the character of Batman <laughs> was even darker in this movie than he was in the first one. That's why it's awesome. Thank you. Burton agrees. He <clears throat> believes that the problems he was having in his personal life influenced how he directed the movie. His marriage to Gesicki? Wait, how would I call her? Geisik. Geisik? <laughs> I'm just going to say it every time her name comes up anymore. Geisik! <laughs> anyway, it, that marriage came to an end during the film, uh, during the filming, and a close friend committed suicide. So, yeah, unfortunately, had some shit Bad going, things on. going on. Yeah. Burton was depressed and struggled more than usual to relate to other people. His reputation for being inconsiderate and difficult to work with worsened. Burton's life improved dramatically on New Year's Eve in 1991 when he met model Lisa Marie. Now, coming up, there's some shit about this I didn't know about. Um, the two fell in love, and friends say that the relationship changed Burton's life. He became more focused and easier to work with and even started dressing better because he was getting lizard. Yeah, yep. He's getting in boots. <laughs> so during this that time... just goes to show you why women rule the world. That, absolutely. They should. That's all it takes. A good woman. That's it. You're back on track. Yes, sir. During this time, Burton was also working on The Nightmare Before Christmas. You may have heard of that one. Not familiar. No, not familiar. Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street, right? Freddy Krueger again? Scissorhands, mm. right? No, this is Nightmare, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Burton had proposed this project to Disney 10 years prior. At that time, Disney executives were not interested in producing the project. Let, let me guess. It's too scary for kids. <laughs> right. Mr. Disney... However, Disney still retained the rights to the project, and by 1991, the studio was eager to work with Burton. Oh, by then, there you go. <laughs> right, because he's one of the most successful directors oh. in Hollywood. Imagine that. So Dick Burton, Cassie was like, <laughs> "Remember that guy we booted like ten years ago? We should probably talk to that guy again." Yeah, first thing Burton did was like, uh, "Tell Cassie to go fuck off." Hours <laughs> <his> pants fitting. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Cassie, how those pants going? How do you, you know about a bitch? <laughs> Burton produced Nightmare, but most people don't know that he did not direct it. No, sir. He did not fucking direct. Which is why when you find lists of top movies from Tim Burton, if that movie is on there, fuck that list. That's right. They're wrong. I hate to break it to you guys. Well, he didn't direct it mainly because he was still working on Batman Returns. He also created the characters, wrote the script, and made sure that the crew stayed focused on his vision. The movie was done using stop-motion animation, a process that took so long that only about 70 seconds of film was shot each a, week. A week, yeah. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> As a result, the movie took three <laughs> years to complete. <laughs> Jesus, could you think about that? Well, dude, think you gotta be like, yeah, all right, there we go. Gotta, all right, take that. This, okay, hold on. this... All right, there we go. Take that. Okay, okay. Right. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so boring. In the film, once again, Burton's main character is misunderstood by the people around him. Jack Skellington, the pumpkin king of Halloween Town, decides that he wants to take over Christmas, but he does not quite understand the holiday. After kidnapping Santa Claus, Jack delivers strange and scary toys made by the spooky residents of Halloween Town. Children are terrified, and Jack's version of Christmas is a failure. I mean, it happens. Well, the movie, however, was not. No? Well, 
At people first, do at, people actually like that movie? At first, it kind of was. Okay. Um, once again, Burton was praised for his originality, although some parents thought that the movie was too scary for children. Oh, Jesus. However, Burton disagreed. He believes that children should decide for themselves if something is too scary and that adults should give them the freedom to make those choices. I love that. I do, too. Disney initially pulled their name from the movie, releasing it on Touchstone Pictures. Still haven't fucking learned, have they? <laughs> Fuck. God damn. Fucking catsy. Well, they released it on Touchstone Pictures and simply called it Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas. Well, the movie took a life of its own, and on a trip to China, one of the guys who had actually worked in the movie noticed that the characters were huge over there. It was everywhere, and he brought it to everyone back home to their attention. Obviously, Disney took notice because, well, money. Hey, maybe we should put our name on this movie now. Right, exactly. And that's why. When you see it now, it's got the name Disney all over it. It's even on Disney Plus right now. It is. Yeah. It is. So, kind of fucked up and kind of crazy that they were like, oh, this movie, I don't know. Uh, you know. Yeah, it's fucking bullshit is what it is. If I was Tim Burton, I'd have told him to go fucking suck an egg. This movie might be too scary, Mr. Disney. Shut up, bitch. It's making money. <laughs> How many times are we going to fucking have this conversation? <laughs> Oh, and by the way, Burton once put his foot through a wall because he didn't like one of the scenes from The Nightmare Before Christmas while they were actually so was, putting it together. Was his name Todd at the time? <laughs> Todd. He's being a Todd. He was totally being a Todd. <laughs> Again, I got that information from the uh, the movies that made us or whatever. You got to check it out. It's yeah. pretty awesome. I was going to watch it per our request. And I yeah, didn't it's actually a great, great show. Know, I have things to do. Yeah, I know. In 1994, Burton and frequent co-producer Denise DeNovi produced the 1994 fantasy comedy Cabin Boy. Didn't know this. Dude, okay, first of all, one of my favorite fucking movies of all time. I love that movie. And that's another one that people have no idea that he did. I had no idea. Starring comedian Chris Elliott. And by the way, if you guys are unfamiliar with Chris Elliott, he was in um, Schitt's Creek. Was and, he? Yeah, he is. Uh, what's his? I can't remember his I've damn name. I heard that name. show's good. I haven't watched it though. He's the the redneck guy, the mayor of Schitt's Creek. He was also in a little TV show called Get a Life growing up, where he was a, an adult adult I living with his that. parents, and he had a paper route. Yep, and <laughs> he was in so Scary good. Movie with he had Take my hand, little hand. He had the little hand. Take yeah. my hand, child. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking cool. dishing out the mashed potatoes. <laughs> that's Chris Elliott, and it was directed and written by Adam Resnick. Burton oh, was originally God, supposed to. <laughs> Cabin Boy is so good. It's so good. If you haven't seen that movie, please do yourself. I guarantee you, if if a hundred of you guys go watch it, like two of you are going to like it. But it's it's it's, it's very so quirky and kind dude. of yeah. You have to have a really you have to have a penchant for dumb humor, and obviously I do. So yeah, I I do. It's sure. so fucking good, dude. Well, it was originally supposed to uh, he was supposed to direct the film after seeing Elliot perform on Get a Life. But he handed the directing responsibility to Resnick once he was offered Ed Wood. Burton's next film, Ed Wood, in 1994, was a much uh, smaller scale depicting the life of an infamous director, Ed Wood. Starring, again, Johnny Depp in the title role, the film is an homage to the low-budget science fiction and horror films of Burton's childhood and handles its comical protagonist and his motley band of collaborators with surprising fondness and sensitivity. Have you seen that one? Yeah, it's a little... I like it. It's kind of a slow burn for me. Yeah, it's good, though. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all right. It's, auto, it's autobiographical, to, or biographical, whatever. Yeah. No, yeah, because it's actually about an actual person. Yeah. Yeah. About Ed Wood, yeah, yeah. who was a total, like, weird cheeseball yeah, filmmaker. Yeah, low budget. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. So, owing to uh, creative squabbles during the making of The Nightmare Before Christmas, Danny Elfman from Oingo Boingo 
declined to score Ed Wood, which was probably a good idea. Anyway. Yeah. And the assignment went to Howard Shore. While a commercial failure at the time of its release, Ed Wood was well well received by critics. Martin Landau actually received the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for his portrayal of Bella Lugosi, and the the film received the Academy Award for Best Makeup. So yeah. it won two fucking Academy Awards. Yeah, but it was a fucking flop. Yeah, Burton's fucking <laughs> right now. He's going straight up, you know? Holy shit, that's awesome. In 1996, Burton and Selleck reunited for the musical fantasy James and the Giant Peach, based on the book by Raoul Dahl, which contains magical elements and references to drugs and alcohol. Is that the animated one? Or it's like claymation yeah. again? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, with the peach and yeah. like taking it wherever they're going. Yeah, I know what the, I know what it's about. It's about James and a giant fucking peach, Moody. I understand that. Jesus Christ. Jonathan. Well, it contains magical <laughs> elements and references drugs and alcohol, like I said. The, the film, a combination of live action and stop motion footage, starred Richard Dreyfuss, Susan Sarandon, David Thewlis, Simon Callow, and Jane Leaves, among others, with Burton producing and Selleck directing. The film was mostly praised by critics and was nominated for, oh, here we go again, the Academy Award for Best Original Musical or Comedy Score by none other than You Got a Friend Me. There you go. <laughs> you Got a Friend Me. <laughs> Randy Newman. <laughs> this his voice, dude, is so... It's so like family guy with it. Yeah. He's sitting on his porch. Every time someone does something, <laughs> go into the toa, walking down the street, left foot, right yeah. foot. <laughs> so Elfman and Burton reunited for Mars Attacks in 1996, based on a popular science fiction trading card series, which I didn't know if about. If you like Mars Attacks, we can't be friends. Oh, I know, dude. That thing was chock full of just. The film was a hybrid of 19. 19- <laughs> It was a, a hybrid of 1950s science fiction and 1970s all-star disaster films. Oh, that's another one that Jack Nicholson was in. That's it. He was in that one. He's like the fucking president in that movie. With the cowboy hat, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he was uh, like... So there's two. got to figure out the third yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> well, coincidence made it an, an inadver- inadvertent spoof of the blockbuster Independence Day, which had been released five months earlier. So, of course, people wanted to see something yeah. that was like yeah. slapsticky compared to that. Next is Sleepy Hollow, released in 1999. And it ha- that one doesn't get enough credit. I no, think. I don't think so either. That's I really love that good. movie. It had a supernatural setting and starred Johnny Depp as Ichabod Crane, a detective with an interest in forensic science rather than the school teacher of Washington Irving's original tale. With Sleepy Hollow, Burton paid homage to the horror films of the English company Hammer Films. Christopher Lee, one of Hammer's stars, was given a cameo role. Mostly well-received by critics and with special mention to Elfman's gothic score. Yeah, Danny Elfman's back there again. Oingo boingo. The film won an Academy Award for Best Art Direction as well as two BAFTAs for Best Costume Design and Best Production Design. So his movies are just beautiful. I think that's what people look at. They're visually stunning. Yeah, visually they're amazing. Which is all about him. You know what I mean? Like he's the one that's putting this. So his eye is just magnificent. A box office success, Sleepy Hollow was also a turning point for Burton, along with change in his personal life, because he separated from actress Lisa Marie, Burton changed radically in style for his next project, leaving the haunted forest and colorful outcast behind to go on to directing, and I didn't know this one, Planet of the Fucking Apes. Actually, I didn't know that one either. When I did this, I was like, wait, he fucking did that movie? Yeah, that's crazy to me. Which, as Burton had repeatedly noted, was, quote, not a remake of the earlier film. Planet of the Apes did not do as well at the box office as the studio had expected, and it received mixed reviews. 
Many critics felt that the story was too slow and the plot contained too many holes. But most agreed that the movie was visually stunning. Again, that's what he does. The ape world that Burton created is dark, filled with creeping vines and cave-like rooms. The apes that live in this world are also quite amazing, due to their elaborate costumes and makeup. Critics also praised the performance of Helena Bonham Carter. Hmm, who's that? Well, she had a starring role as an ape who tries to help the humans. Now, who, who could that be, Moody? Helena Bonham? I don't recognize that name. It keeps cutting me out when I whisper too softly. What would you like to know? <laughs> we'll get to it. So Burton was it's also... A, let's pl- just put it this way. Another recurring theme in this episode. Correct. Burton was also pleased with Carter's performance. The two struck up a friendship that quickly turned romantique. Shortly after the, mu- uh, the movie came out in 2001, Burton broke up with Lisa Marie. Bye, bitch. He began dating Carter, and the two were soon engaged. Despite Planet of the Apes' disappointing reviews, Burton remained a sought-after director. No matter what kind of reviews his movies received, the films were never boring, and Burton was admired for his unique style and willingness to take chances, obviously. Raoul Dahl's classic uh, book, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, was made into a movie over 30 years ago with one of my personal favorite actors, Gene Wilder. Fuck Yes. Literally, he, he's up there. Like, I mean, there's Bill Murray and then there's Gene Wilder. He's another one that you can look at and name one bad movie that he was in. You can't do it. You might as well not even try. Even the later ones with like an old Richard Pryor where those two are old, two are old as shit. Dude, every movie that the two of those guys were in together were, was fucking phenomenal. Dude, Silver Streak, yeah. hands down one of my favorites. Hear no evil, see no evil. Yeah, I love so it. So goddamn funny. <laughs> Although many people loved the movie, Burton did not. He thought it was sappy. He also did not like the ways in which the movie was different from the book, the original we're talking about here. Yeah. He especially felt that the character of Willy Wonka was not portrayed as Dahl had written him. However, amazingly, he just didn't think it was written the right way or for, yeah, they, for his performance. There was a lot of things in that movie that were in the book and things that were changed, you right. know, to make to make it a movie. It's a movie. Right. So, and plus, it was a movie that came out in, what, 77, 78, right? Something around there? I don't know, but now you're going to make me check because I want to see how close you were. Yeah, it's got to be around there. So, Burton wanted his version of the book to stick more closely to Dahl's original story. So now, Burton was given a budget of... Remember how I was talking earlier about how his budgets just keep going up and getting bigger and bigger? What did you say? 77? I said 77. You way the fuck off. Is it really? 71. Ooh, wow. It's older than I am. <laughs> Barely. By, by five years? Same year it came out, right? Hey, fuck you. I thought you were 30 by then, to be honest with you. Yeah, fucking asshole. So anyway, they gave him a budget of $150 million for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. A lot of the money for the movie went into the building, or building the elaborate sets and creating the amazing special effects that were needed to bring Doll's story to life. And yes, this part coming up is pretty fucking cool. I saw you telling Tiny Tell Me. This is what I was talking about before, I think. He's still smashing. Have you eaten, like, three pieces? (laughs) You would eat the whole time. It's I'm glad you like the pizza though. Not the whole time. I made Here that with there. I made that with my hands. I made that with love, brother. I can taste it. All right. <laughs> That's not love. <laughs> or is it? Or I guess it <laughs> depends on which way you want to look at it, yeah. <laughs> ah. So in the story, Charlie Bucket and four other children find golden tickets in the Wonka chocolate bars that allow them to visit Willy Wonka's mysterious chocolate factory. During the tour of the bizarre, amazing, and sometimes scary factory, each of the children except Charlie, except Charlie, manages to get into serious trouble. You're turning violet, violet. Ugh, little bitch. Yeah, she <laughs> didn't like her. She was not a happy child. Yeah, 
Now, no, is that the one that? No, the one I got. She taken was the with. gum chewer. Yeah, didn't like her. The other one was or the, the other little, one. The other one was the bitch that the rich girl that wanted everything. That was uh, Veruca Veruca Salt. Yeah, which was a great band in the nineties. It was. Yeah. Which I always confuse with. Can't Fer- fight the seether. Yeah. That was I always confuse with Feruza Balk. <laughs> the actress from, yeah, no, from The Craft. Yeah. I mean, Waterboy. Every, yeah, yeah, from Waterboy. I don't know. Too. It's fucking weird. So Burton cast Johnny Depp, imagine that, huh. in the important role of Willy Wonka. Was like, there somebody else in that movie? that he, I feel like there was somebody else that he usually casts. Oh, that's right. Helena Bottom Carter. Yeah, yeah, there. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Like many of Burton's characters, Wonka is depicted as a strange man who has issues with his family and who does not know how to relate to other people. One of the most incredible scenes in the movie is when Willy Wonka brings the five lucky children into the chocolate room. Now, folks, check this shit out. Rather than using computer-generated images to create this room, Burton chose to build the entire set. The set takes up 45,000 square feet. The landscape was all made to look edible and includes nearly 70 different kinds of plants, 30-foot trees, and yes, a real chocolate river with a 70-foot chocolate falls. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Can you imagine those kids in there? Just like, they they were literally probably like, like you saw them in the movie. Yeah. Like, holy shit. That's amazing. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Our Burton, kids would love it. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Burton explains, quote, we felt it was important to be in the environment and make it as textural as possible to give it as much reality as possible. We spent months trying to find the right consistency to make the chocolate, to give it the weight so it didn't look like brown water, which is probably a good idea. <laughs> Burton needed nearly... 250 200 250,000 gallons of the fake chocolate to make his river. Oh, so it was fake chocolate. Oh, damn it. Now I'm disappointed. One of the challenges of working, then again, chocolate's expensive, so I guess it's probably better. Wait a minute. Didn't like two two sentences ago you said it was an actual chocolate river? I said that. It just says a chocolate river, but I don't think it's an actual chocolate river. Oh. Yeah. So you're the asshole. (laughs) Duh. Damn it. <laughs> I like that one. I'm on, the wrong, uh, I'm on the wrong page. That's hilarious. So they, anyway, one of the challenges of working with the gooey <laughs> liquid, which is called Nutrisol, was that after a couple of weeks, it started to smell really awful, which Oof. is fucking hilarious. It is in the chocolate room that the children first encounter the Oompa Loompas, the little people who work at the factory. The Oompa Loompas also perform four elaborate song and dance numbers. Although there are hundreds of them in the movie, they were all played only by one little four-foot Who has possibly the greatest name ever. His name, he should be a porn star. Exactly. His name is Deep Roy. That's amazing. Pop quiz. You know what other movie that dude was in? I do, but I can't think of it. He's been in a couple, but there's another one that at least people our age will remember. What is it? He was... In the never-ending story. Do you oh, remember yeah. when yeah. he goes and there's like the little guy and then the rock dude or yeah. whatever? He's the one of the little guys. Yeah. No shit. He's, he, he's the snail rider guy. He yeah. rides the snail. No That's shit. Deep with, the, Roy. with the big nose. That's uh, Deep Roy. Big nose. <laughs> it's big news. He's got a big nose on him. Okay, so Burton used several yeah. kinds of special effects to uh, multiply the Oompa Loompas. Um, remote-controlled robots were used when the Oompa Loompas were shot at a distance. It's fucking amazing. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, little Oompa Loompa robots, dude. <laughs> I want to get one. Yeah, I wonder if they... You gotta be able to There's find There's gotta be those. a ton of them out there. That's right? what I'm saying. You gotta be able to find one so like on a movie prop. They're probably thing, like eighty thousand dollars. I don't piece care. I want one. That's right. Guys, pitch in and get us one of those. <laughs> 
Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> so uh, that that's when they were uh, shot at a distance and when they did not need to do anything too complicated. Burton also used camera tricks to multiply Roy's image. For these scenes, Roy was filmed hundreds of times from many different angles. In addition, Burton used CGI for some of the trickier Oompa Loompa scenes. At least he was trying to at least avoid that as much as possible. And that's, like, when you watch the movie, it's kind of crazy to think that he really didn't use that much CGI on yeah, that. Yeah, it's pretty badass. <clears throat> like, you would figure that they would just film him doing one thing and then just stick him in CGI. Right. Like, but, yeah. that's he stayed, that, he stayed true. Yeah, that's right, man. Word. So this one, this part's pretty awesome, and I did not know about this, but I think it's pretty great. Some of the same special effects were used in the scene in which 40 squirrels shell walnuts and attack one of the children. This, this blew my mind. Yeah. Although some of the squirrels were robots or CGIs, check this, most of them were real. Burton had them trained to sit on stools, crack nuts, and put the nuts on a conveyor belt. Fucking real squirrels. That's insane. It took four months to train the squirrels because these animals are very difficult to work with. <laughs> They're to, assholes. To learn the behavior, each squirrel had to repeat it about 2,000 times. Although the scene was difficult and expensive to film, Burton was pleased with the result. It is pretty sweet, though. And now you, that you know that they're real doing that, that's even better. Can you imagine being the trainer, though? <sighs> training a fucking squirrel? You might as well be training a goldfish. I better be getting fucking paid for this. <laughs> it's this is probably, ridiculous. Probably a lot, I would imagine. So Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was well received by audiences, both young and old. People love the spectacular I world. I, I thought, thought it was, was cool. Good. They loved the spectacular world of the chocolate factory that Burton created, as well as the interesting characters. While filming Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Burton, Carter, and Depp, you know, those guys, were also starting work on Corpse Bride, which I absolutely loved Corpse Bride. So good. I love that one. Corpse Bride, also known as Tim Burton's Corpse Bride, is a 2005... Oh, Disney didn't want anything to do with that one either, huh? (laughs) Apparently not. It's a 2005 stop-motion animated musical fantasy (laughs) film. The film is based on a 19th century Russian Jewish folktale, which Joe Ramft introduced to Burton while they were uh, finishing The Nightmare Before Christmas. The film began production in November 2003. Co-director Mike Johnson spoke about how they took a more organic approach to directing the film, saying, quote, in a co-directing situation, one director usually handles one sequence while the other handles another. Our approach was more organic. Tim knew where he wanted the film to go as far as the emotional tone and story points to hit. My job was to work with the crew on a daily basis and get the footage as close as possible to how I thought he wanted it. Now, Corpse Bride received positive reviews from critics. The film was nominated for the 78th Academy Award for Best Animated Feature, feature but lost to Wallace and fucking Gromit. Right, dude. What? Yeah. To Wallace. <sighs> All right, anyway, it's, it's the, <laughs> the curse of the were-rabbit. Yeah, which duh. ironically starred Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah. <laughs> so either way. Yeah. She she's she saw that shit. She's like, I'm getting one no matter what. Yeah. Fuck yeah. It. That's hilarious. I am in. In 2008, the American Film Institute nominated this film for its top ten animation films list, which is pretty. That's awesome. pretty impressive. Yeah. Man. So 2000, 2007 saw Burton put out his version of the Sweeney Todd tale. The film retells the Victorian melodramatic tale of Sweeney Todd, an English barber and serial killer who murders his customers with a straight razor. razor. <laughs> it's a straight razor. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. A straight razor. Yeah. There it is. And with the help of his accomplice, Mrs. Lovett, 
uh, processes their corpse into meat pies. Meat pies. Meat pies. This is Lovett's meat pies. Meat pies. The Have film stars. One? Oh, check this out. It Have stars. You seen this one? Yeah, I've seen it's it. It's good. Yeah, I it's like cool. It. Film stars Johnny Depp. Okay. Yeah, of course. As the title character and Helena Bonham Carter as Mrs. Lovett. Huh. Yeah. That's like, is that the first time those they've all worked together then? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's That's crazy. Good. Grossing start, over- it's probably the start of something good, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Grossing over $150 million worldwide, the film was praised for the performances of the cast, musical numbers, costume, and set design. And it's so faith- visually, it's amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. It's a great movie. And it's faith- uh, faithfulness to the 1979 musical. It was chosen by National Board of Review as one of the top 10 films of 2007 wow. and won numerous awards, including Golden Globes for Best Motion Picture, uh, musical or com- uh, most motion picture musical comedy and best actor musical or comedy as well as the Academy Award for best art direction. Bonham Carter was nominated for a Golden Globe Award for best actress in a motion picture musical or comedy and Depp received a nomination for the Academy Award for best actor. Although the film was not an outstanding financial success in North America, it performed rather well worldwide. Yeah. Well, what do we know? Yeah. I thought it was awesome. I liked it. Yeah, I think it's a cool movie. Yeah, it's fun. It's got yeah, it's got a little good like gore. Like, yeah. Oh like, yeah. Yeah, it's Hell pretty yeah. good, man. It's gory for blood. sure. Speaking uh, of gory, also you know who else is in that movie? Who's that? Borat. Is he really? Yeah, he's in that movie. No shit. Yeah, that's crazy. He dies. In 2010, Burton released his version of Alice in Wonderland. Another movie that I liked but didn't get. A lot of people don't like that movie. I thought it was cool. Yeah, I, I thought, thought it was, was pretty I thought it was decent. I saw that in the movie theater, actually. Maybe Did you? anyone saw it? Nice. Loosely inspired by Lewis's, uh, Lewis Carroll's fantasy novels, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, and Through the Looking Glass, and Walt Disney's 1951 animated film of the same name, the film tells the story of a 19-year-old Alice Kingsley who is told that she can restore the White Queen to her throne with the help of the Mad Hatter. She is the only one who can slay the Jabberwocky. A dragon-like creature that is controlled by the Red Queen and terrorizes Underland's inhabitants. Who, did you know the Jabberwocky is actually Christopher Lee? No, not in that. I didn't know. He's also in Willy Wonka. Yeah. He's he's Willy's dad. Yeah, he uses a lot of the same characters. He's been in a lot of them, too. Actually, I think there's a mention of him in uh, one of these coming up. Yeah, Yeah. it is is coming up. A little foreshadowing, might you say. I don't remember. Maybe some foredark shadowing. (laughs) Anyway. Oh, I get it. So, you. So <laughs> the Jabberwocky, controlled by the Red Queen and terrorized Underland's inhabitants again. In this situation, Alice fights against the Red Queen to protect the world. Alice in Wonderland received mixed reviews from critics uh, upon release, although praised for its visual style. Uh, costumes, again. production value. Yeah, dude, his eye is just <laughs> production values, musical score, and visual effects. The film was criticized for its lack of narrative, coherence, and somber tone. And the Red Queen was. Who was the Red Queen? Um. Uh, I don't recall. Why don't you tell me who it was? I don't uh, know. Yeah, it was Bonham Carter. Oh, again. right. Yeah. Well, who was uh, who was the Mad Hatter in that movie? Uh, that was Johnny Depp. Yeah. Oh. Huh. Yeah. Kind of a little interesting. Thing. Kind of a little thing going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. So speaking of them, back when I said foreshadowing, now I'm talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Dark Shadows. Uh, it's a 2012 right? American fantasy horror comedy film based on the Gothic television soap opera of the same name, which I've actually seen. The I've original. never seen the show. I've seen the show. Is it it's, good? It's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. It's very. Campy, you know. Well, of course. The film performed poorly at the U.S. box office, but did well in foreign markets. By the way, I loved uh, Johnny Depp's performance in this movie. I haven't seen that one, actually. I I did. I I genuinely thought it was pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. 
And he just, I don't know, he had this weirdness about him in it that was, like, perfect. So, I don't know. What? Johnny Depp had well. a weirdness about him in a <laughs> movie? No. <laughs> Look, uh, no. really quickly, though, I'm just going to say it. My boy Johnny's getting raked over the coals right now, and I don't like it. The whole Amber Heard thing, she yeah. was accusing him of all that shit, and now it's coming out that it was the other way around, and he's still getting fucking blackballed. And, yeah, dude. Dude, I'm not happy about it's that. It's so stupid. She's a cunt. It's sorry so stupid. Sorry if you don't like the word cunt, but she is a cunt. It just stands for see you next Tuesday. Calm down. And she's getting more work, and he's getting like fucking blackballed. Yeah, it's such it's bullshit. ridiculous. It is. It's so dumb. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, the film performed poorly at the uh, U.S. box office, but did well in foreign markets. Uh, the film received uh, mixed reviews. Critics you already it. said that. Oh, I did? Yeah. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, because right here it says critics praised its visual style and consistent humor. Yeah, that's, that, but, yeah, that's where you should have started. You fucking... Well, it was produced by Richard <laughs> Zanuck, <laughs> who unfortunately died two months after its release. Oof. It featured the final appearance of original series actor Jonathan Freed, or Frid, who died shortly before its release. Yikes. It was... And it was actually the 200th film appearance of actor Christopher Lee. Boosh. Who I was just referencing earlier. That right. was the voice of the Jabberwocky, yep. who was the... He was Willie's dad. Right. And Willy Wonka. And he was also Saruman from the Lord of the Rings movies. Saruman. And Count fucking Dooku from the shitty Star Wars movies. The shitty ones. I didn't see any of those. Yeah. Whatever. whatever. Jar Jar Banks, that's all I'm saying. Dark Shadows was Lee's fifth and final appearance in a Burton film. Correct. So Burton then remade his 1984 short film, Frankenweenie, yes. as a feature-length stop-motion um, film distributed by Walt Disney Pictures. Burton has said, quote, The film is based on a memory that I had when I was growing up uh, with my relationship with a dog that I had had. The film was released on October 5th, 2012, and met with positive reviews. It's a good movie. I loved that. Yeah, it's good. I love that movie. Every Halloween I make, well, I don't make anyone, but we always watch it, just because it's a fucking great movie. You don't make anyone? I, I don't make anyone. Not like Frankenstein? It. You don't make anyone? <laughs> He's alive! Alive! My wife's up there doing homework right now. Probably like, shut the fuck up. So Burton directed the uh, next the 2014 biographical drama film Big Eyes uh, about American artist Margaret Keane, played never by even Amy heard Adams. Of this movie I until I not. did this, yeah, played by Amy Adams, uh, whose work was fraudulently claimed in the 1950s and 60s by her then husband Walter Keane, played by Christoph Waltz, who is He's awesome. Great. Love Christoph Waltz, and their heated divorce trial after Margaret accused Walter of stealing credit <clears throat> for her paintings. The script was written by the screenwriters behind Burton's Ed Wood. Scott Alexander, and Larry Karaszewski. Filming began in Vancouver, uh, British Columbia, in mid-2013, and the film was distributed by the Weinstein Company <laughs> and released in U.S. theaters on December 25th, 2014. It re received generally positive reviews from critics. I've never heard of that movie. I've never heard of it either. I, I was I, doing this, and I was like, what? Okay. It don't make no sense. Yeah, I never had no idea. Next up here, we have Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, which this I have seen. A, this was another one that I didn't know he had anything to do with. I didn't either. I had no idea. But Makes sense now that yeah, I know, though. Totally. It is based on a contemporary fantasy debut novel by American author Ransom Riggs, who may quite possibly have the coolest name in Hollywood. Ransom Riggs. That's not bad. It's not bad. It's either that or he's an 80s it's action. A Hollywood, it's definitely a Hollywood name. It's like an 80s action. See, I guy. picture it as like, if you're watching a TV show and they need a, like a... a a kooky action star, like that's who it would be. Hey, it's Ransom Riggs. 
The new Ransom Riggs movie (laughs) starring Ransom Riggs. I I don't know. That name sounds awesome. Yeah, no, it's The story is told through a combination of narrative and a mix of vernacular and found uh, photography from the personal (laughs) archives of collectors listed by the author. Found fuckography? Found fuckography. Sounds like that's where you're going. That's that's what I said. (laughs) Fuckography. Anyway, were you a fan of that? Uh, You know, I don't think I've seen the whole thing. I've caught pizza's parts, but I, I liked what I've seen. I thought it was cool. Yeah, whatever. You know. I feel like I, I'm, I might have to show the kids that. I don't think they've seen it. So Yeah, my daughter loved it. She They'd thought it was like great. It. Yeah. 2019 saw Burton put out a live action adaptation of the Disney classic Dumbo. Yep. Burton was behind the new Dumbo movie, which I... Mm. I haven't seen it. The wife and the kids have watched it like twice. I don't know. The kids like it because they don't care, but, you know, it's fun for them. But yeah, I, I didn't watch it, so I don't know. So plans for a live-action film adaptation of Dumbo were announced in 2014, and Burton was confirmed as director in March 2015. Most of the cast signed on for the feature in March 2017, and principal photography began in 2017 in England, lasting until November. It was the first of four remakes of prior animated films that Disney released in 2019, and I personally cannot fucking stand those. I hate no, them. I don't like I, remakes as it is, but I am not a fan I of this whole... I didn't watch any of them. I don't like it. Like the Mulan one, bleh, didn't like it. I heard it was terrible. I don't like any of them. Because what they do, they redid, they did Beauty and the Beast, they did Dumbo, they did Mulan, and they Aladdin. did Aladdin. Yeah. Mm, and uh, Beauty and the Beast was like two years ago. Though. Lion King. Yeah. They've Beauty done and the Beast too. was like two years ago, yeah. though. I'm not a fan of those. No, no, no. You know what the problem is, is that these fucking hacks... Cannot come up with something original. No, the problem is Disney sees a fucking oh cash grab, a big paycheck. Yeah, cash grab. Well, you know that's all it is. Here you guys go. If you're out there listening right now, and let's just say you're a, a screenwriter, and you you need to bring An something. Aspiring filmmaker, right? I'm going to give you gold right now, and and we can talk about the particulars after the fact. I mean, it is this is recorded, so you can't just steal the idea, right? Because it'll come back to you. It's literally three words. Yeah, what do you got? Shit eating robots. <laughs> Dude, Telling we, make, you. we make the robots and then we make like a cartoon series out of them. Yes. And like a movie. It'll be great. Yes. That's all you need. Fecal fighters, bitch. We could, turn, we could turn that in or we could turn it into a horror movie. God, even, well, do they go rogue? They go rogue and start eating people. Hmm. But then it loses its whole shit. Eat. We'll talk later. So anyway, the film grossed $353 million worldwide against a $170 million budget, which was not as commercially successful as Aladdin or The Lion King, but fuck those movies. Dumbo received mixed reviews from critics who praised its ambition, but said it did not live up to its predecessor. Reviews were mixed for the uh, the, the movie. While audiences gave the film an average of an A- grade, critics were so not as convinced. Like people like it. Yeah. Critics yeah. are assholes. Oh, I mean, probably because a lot... It's, Dumbo, the original Dumbo, is an older movie. Well, that and honestly, if you like, if you look at the original Dumbo, it's kind of a darker movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So Tim Burton, this is like he was a good choice to do that movie. I think. Yeah, I guess whatever. Like I couldn't see Tim Burton doing fucking Aladdin. Maybe Aladdin. Maybe definitely yeah. not Lion King. I, I could see him doing Aladdin. Aladdin, he probably could have done really good with that. Would have been so weird. Yeah. Well, critics were not as convinced as the uh, people who went to go see it. They gave the movie an average rating of three out of five stars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So as for his personal life, as Fuck we mentioned, yeah. yeah, what do they know? Burton was married to Lena uh, Geisick. 
who we talked about earlier, uh, the German-born artist. Uh, their marriage ended in 1991. After four years, he went on to live with a uh, with model and actress Lisa Marie. Right. And she acted in the films he made during their relationship. I know she was in Mars Attacks. She was in uh, Sleepy Hollow. Okay. Ed Wood and Mars Attacks. Oh, okay. And I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't. Well, I didn't know that was his chick. I guess yeah. you know. She's. I think she might be. Uh, like on the movie, I think like is I think the movie poster from Mars Attacks. There's like a blonde chick with like the aliens or whatever. Yeah, is that I her? I think that's her. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So he uh, then developed a romantic relationship with English actress Hel- Helena Helena Bonham Carter, hey. obviously, whom he met while filming Planet of the Apes. All right. Marie responded. Uh, uh, <laughs> Lisa Marie, his yeah. former, yeah. responded in 2005 by holding an auction of personal belongings that Tim Burton had left behind, much to his dismay, Love and it. which is fucking hilarious yeah, and why great. we had to mention her again. That is awesome. I think that is fantastic. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, here, you know what? See this? You left it in my house. Now it's for sale. Selling this. <laughs> Dude, she probably made some money off That's of that That's what I'm saying. Too. Burton and Bonham That's Carter have idea. two like children. It. A son, William Raymond, named after his and Bonham Carter's fathers, born in 2003, and a daughter, Nell, born in 2007. Bonham Carter's representative said in De- December 2014 that she and Burton had broken up amicably earlier that year. It is unclear whether That's or nice. not they were That's married. Good. Yeah. But they're not sure if they're married or not because Bonham Carter has used the word divorce when discussing the end of the relationship. While but other was, news outlets, yeah, but there was like no nothing that ever said that they got married or anything. Right. Other news outlets uh, state that they were never married. Exactly. In 2005, uh, in a 2005 interview with the Evening Standard, Bonham Carter speculated that Burton might have traits of Asperger's syndrome, which kind of makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. I mean, kind of. Yeah. Just saying. Sure. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. The same thing. No, sense. no. On March 15th, 2010, Burton received the insignia of Chevalier of Arts and letters from then Minister of Culture, Frederick Mitterrand. The same year, Burton was the president of the jury for the 63rd annual Cannes Film Festival, held from uh, May 12th to oui. May 24th in Cannes, Good France. Good for him. Good yeah. for him. It was in France. Were you there? I was there. You were? I saw the entire thing. Nice. How'd it go? It was super fucking good. What was your boring. favorite movie of the weekend? Of, of that weekend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Fecal Fighters. What was that about? Shit-eating robots. Really? Fantastic. Do you think it should be remade as a Hollywood blockbuster? For sure. Oh, okay. I do like it. Cool. You know why? Why? Because I am French. Okay. Are there a lot of French shit-eating robots? There will be. <laughs> Burton's next big project, the Adams Family Series. Sounded so ominous. (laughs) The Adams Family Series is slated to uh, release via Netflix in 2022 and uh, confirmed by Deadline. And as rumor has it, Burton wants, of course, Johnny Depp to portray Gomez Adams. See how that goes now. Multiple sources, quote, quote, have hinted that Tim Burton has explicitly said he thinks Depp would be perfect as Gomez. Probably would be good, actually. And fans agree. I oh, looked yeah. everywhere. Everyone's saying that he would be awesome. At, I mean, dude, why not? Seriously. You know what I mean? At this point, like, freaking yeah. just do it. You know? I I think it... Did you... Have you seen the um, the new animated one that just came out, like, yes. last year? Yeah, what, yeah. What'd you think of that? I was all right. <laughs> it was all right. No, nah, I mean, it wasn't, like... I mean... Didn't blow me away, but it was good. It was... You know, yeah, I thought it was cool. It's not bad. Yeah. All most right. Most of the Adam Sandler movies have been pretty solid. They've done. So that that's pretty much Tim Burton, except there's there's one more thing we got to do. What what would that be there, uh, John? What, well, uh, you know, I think 
we've talked about the movies, but let's uh, let's find out how his movies were ranked. What do you think? And now, boys and girls, it's your favorite part of the show, the movie review. Which top ten movies will make the cut today? So we are actually going to go through over here on, uh, which is funny that yeah. we normally go through Ranker, or we have been lately, yeah. and now we're actually doing a ranked movie thing, and it's on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. <laughs> we're going all over, I'm going all over the map with this one, guys. So we're, we're going to uh, run through these pretty I'm quick. I'm trying to find the best lists for you people. That's right. Why. So we're going to go through it pretty quick. These are the all, all Tim Burton movies ranked, and I want to know what... I believe this is by popularity on Rotten Tomatoes. So Correct. it's like from lowest rank to highest as far as the t- tomato meter, I think they call it. Yeah. Tomometer. Tomometer. <laughs> Tomometer. Is that right? Someone give me the tomometer. It's hot in here. <laughs> I think it got a fever. So number 19 out of all of his movies, or at least of 19 that are on here, is Dark Shadows. Uh, it's got a 35% Oof. on uh, on um, Rotten Tomatoes uh, with an adjusted score of 44.74. I don't know what the hell uh, that it ex- it ex- So unlike IMDb that doesn't explain their goddamn rating system at all, that does, that does uh, I don't know if it says it on there, but if you, I think there might be a little thing next to it that you can click on it tells you what the adjusted score is it's actually it tells you how they do the adjusted oh, score. the adjusted score comes from a weighted formula that we use that accounts for variation the number of reviews per movie oh okay there you go so it depends on yeah they take they actually take the number of reviews into consideration all right so i'm gonna so do going straight through it's like 33 percent. but if you go by like the number of reviews compared to like everything else it gives you like the 40 whatever percent okay so it kind of gives you a better idea. So we're going to do the critics' consensus on these just because they seem super snobby. Dicks. <laughs> so this one says, The visuals are top-notch, but <laughs> Tim Burton never finds a consistent rhythm. <laughs> Mixing campy jokes and gothic spookiness with less success than other Johnny Depp collaborations. <laughs> so you didn't like that one, huh? Apparently, this guy <laughs> didn't like that one. Next up, number 18 is Planet of the Apes, which I actually thought okay. was pretty cool. Okay. All right, this is it was a all right. Yeah, forty-four percent. Okay. I thought it was better than fucking Dumbo. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Critics say on this one, this remake of Planet of the Apes can't compare to the original in some critics' mind, but the striking visuals and B movie charms may win you over. See, I think that's the problem with that movie is that people were. I mean, the original is such an iconic movie. Yeah. Like anytime you redo something like that, I think the same with Dumbo actually. Like, which is very true. You know. Right. Next, Especially for of, like people like us, because we that's what we grew up with. Like that's the shit that we when we were kids. That like was part of our. Which childhood. is probably why I'm so bitter towards remakes because it's I've seen pretty much everything. You're just an asshole, I think. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Speaking of assholes, number seventeen, Dumbo, forty six percent was not a okay. big fan of this one. No. Critics say Dumbo is held partly aloft by Tim Burton's <laughs> visual flair, but a crowded canvas and overstretched story leave these live action remake more workmanlike than wondrous. Oh, uh, yeah, we don't you, you know what? You don't ever want your movies to be considered workmanlike. Correct. Know? Correct. Yeah, I, just, I would assume not. No, that's not <laughs> Number uh oh, by the way, the second movie, or I believe second movie of um Tim Burton's to have Danny DeVito in it. Yeah, he was the he was the penguin. He's the penguin. Yeah, number sixteen, Alice in Wonderland, fifty one percent. Okay, I did like that one. The critics' consensus on this one: Tim Burton's Alice sacrifices the book's minimal narrative coherence and much of its heart, but it's an undeniable visual treat. 
I actually like doing that voice. That's fun. It's good. I like it. It's fun. It's like it's I can push up being a total prick. It's like a new prick. character. Yeah, like it's a total it. prick. What is it? What's your name? What's his name? I don't know. We got to come up with a name for him. I don't know. I feel like his last name should be like Longbottom or something. <laughs> Hi, my name's Prick Longbottom. <laughs> it's perfect. Prick Longbottom. Movie reviewer. <laughs> Movie reviewer. <laughs> Movie critic. Movie critic. Yes, right, yes, right. yes. Sorry. Next Sorry, I, you're more than just a reviewer. I I've worked hard and long to get my establishment, okay? I apologize. <laughs> so number 15, we have Mars Attacks from 1996. That was so low. I know, that doesn't make any sense. God, that should be like 100%. Yeah, that one's awesome. 54% Fuck. on Rotten Tomatoes. 54, that's it? Yeah, but it's the 54% with a little splatter on there. So is that the, the splatter, then it goes, if I don't understand what that how that works. Yeah, I'm not really that sure, but... Yeah, anyways, 54% on there. I think that means it's like above average. Right, because it's not considered fresh, because fresh means it's the tomato on there, right? Right, that's fresh. Okay. Fresh. So this one says, Tim Burton's alien invasion spoof faithfully recreates wooden characters and schlocky story of cheesy 50 sci-fi and Ed Wood movies, perhaps a little too faithfully for audiences. He didn't like that one, did no, he? No, not at yeah. all. These guys are just berating he must not this like, shit. He must not like the old school yeah. movies. Number 14, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, yeah. which Mars again was okay. better than that movie. Yeah, it was cool. Eva Green, she's awesome. So I don't know who that is. She's the main chick in that. <laughs> He's act- she's actually talked to be um, Morticia Adams. In oh. the, yeah, if you look her up, Eva Green, you'll see her. I, th- I believe she's British, but I could be wrong. I don't know. Oh, okay. This one's 64% fresh. What have you, What do you have to say about this one, sir? Oh, Jesus. Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children proves a suitable match for Tim Burton's distinctive style, oh. even if it's on stronger footing as a visual experience than a narrative one. Oh, so it looks good, but it's not that great. That was such saying. a backhanded compliment, know, wasn't it? I know. He's like, it's really good, except it's not. <laughs> it's great to look at. It really is. Yeah. But other than that, it sucks. Yeah. I just mute it and just watch. <laughs> I don't want to hear what they're saying. Number 13, Sleepy Hollow, which I feel is kind okay. of low on the, the yeah. list here as well. Uh, 69%. Um, uh. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So this one says, it isn't Tim Burton's best work, but Sleepy Hollow entertains with its stunning visuals and creepy atmosphere. Okay. Okay. Not a terrible review. It wasn't horrible. It wasn't horrible. You know, it's not his best, but it's not too bad. Dude, check this. Number 12, Batman. What? I have no idea. If that's not at least an 85%, I'm going to be pissed. Yeah, 71%. Get the fuck I know. Is this a, does this work? There it is. There it is. An yeah. eerie, haunting spectacle. <laughs> Batman succeeds as dark entertainment, even if Jack Nicholson's Joker too often overshadows the title character. Gives a fuck. The Joker's amazing in that. The Joker's supposed to be like a boisterous and like a major yeah. character in that movie. Absolutely. Like he should do. Look at the, he the should over fucking shadow. That. Look at the the newer one that had um uh, what's his name? The kid that uh, killed himself. Um, yeah. What was his name? I'm blanking. I don't know. Yeah. Wow. My brain just went. I can't think. I can't think of it either. No, I'll get it. Number eleven. Big Eyes from 2014. Never seen this one. Yeah. It's eleven. It's about big guys. Big eyes. Big guys. Like big dudes, like really big guys. Big space guys. Uh, <laughs> gotcha. Big guys. <laughs> this one's 71%. <laughs> I 
<laughs> and Prick says, well-acted, yeah, thought-provoking, and refreshing change of pace for Tim Burton. Big Eyes works both as a biopic and as a timelessly <laughs> rel- relevant piece of social commentary. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. So number 10, Big Fish. <laughs> Loved that movie. We didn't even talk about Big Fish in there. That wasn't in there, was it? Yeah, Big Fish hell? is such... I apologize. My apologies to everybody. Such a fantastic so movie. If you guys haven't seen it, Ewan McGregor... Yeah, it's, um, a good, it, it's a good movie. It's basically all about his dad telling these lies the entire time, and yeah. he's always trying to connect with his dad. Yeah. It's such a great movie. The, uh, that is... Uh, so I was looking on this list. Um, I was reading this article. It was like a list of like cool movie sets that are still around that you can visit, and the Big Fish set is one of them. Really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. I'd yeah. like to see that. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. I'd like to see that. I would. What does uh, what does Prick have to say about that? Oh, God. <laughs> A charming father and son tale filled with typical Tim Burton flourishes. Big Fish is an impressive catch. Wow. Apparently Prick liked it. He likes puns, apparently, I too. Be- He's, <laughs> he really is a prick. He is a prick. I told you. <laughs> Pretentious. That's his middle name, by the way. Prick, pretentious, Longbottom? That's his name, absolutely. All right. Yeah, I like that, it. I think that's, I'm fine that's with good. It. Number nine, <laughs> kind of surprising, is Batman Returns. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Moody's about to throw something. <laughs> 80% on right. well, I mean, Rotten Tomatoes. That's all right, though. Yeah, it was, oh, by the way, uh, did I say Big Fish was a 75% on? You uh, did. Okay, cool. You did. So Prick says, director Tim Burton's dark, brooding atmosphere, Michael Keaton's work as the tormented hero, and the flawless casting of Danny DeVito as the Penguin, and Christopher Walken as well. Christopher Walken make the sequel better than the first. Yeah, I mean, Christopher Walken will help make anything better. Whoa! Whoa, he's back! I would like to say... We haven't heard from Christopher in a while. It's very nice to hear. How you doing, buddy? I'm wonderful. Good, good. Prick thinks you did a great job. How uh, are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. It's great. Tell Prick. Thank you for caring. I appreciate that. Tell Prick he can call me. Yeah, you guys want to talk about it, huh? I'm out. Oh. And just like that. (laughs) Oh, there he goes. He's gone. (laughs) Bye. See you, Christopher. <laughs> nah, number eight, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Like, I okay, so I like that movie. Don't know why it's higher than either Batman. Though. It should not be in any way, shape, or form. I mean, it's it. I I don't know. I whatever. I mean, as far it as is, I'm concerned, Mars Attack should be number one. But that's me. Visually, great. It is awesome. Yeah. It is pretty cool. It's, it's not. It's not as trippy though as the original because that whole when they're in the boat and he's singing that yeah, real the original fucking song. The original one's way better. It's with all the psychedelic boat. and the shit. All, well, yeah. I mean, it was seventy-one. Yeah. I guess it's true. Yeah. Should we it was should good. we should we eat some mushrooms or something and watch the original? Sure. <laughs> At least smoke some dope. <laughs> and by dope I mean marijuana people. That's yeah. okay. Um, what else would you I don't know. You say dope and instantly, you know, he other things may Well, first of all, dude, you haven't smoked crack in like two years. At least. I mean that you know of. That's true. That's true. Well, most people probably think I do smoke crack as fast as I talk on here and like, <laughs> So Charlie and the Chocolate, Chocolate Factory is number eight, uh, 83%. Okay. And Prick says, closer to the source material than 1971's Willa Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is for people who like their chocolate visually appealing and dark. <laughs> Get the wow. fuck out of here. Wow. <laughs> fuck out of here. 
visually appealing and dark. Wow. wow. What the fucking puns again, dude? It's, it's very punny. Yeah. Number seven is Tim Burton's Corpse Bride. Ooh. 84% on here. Definitely yours. a good one. So barely squeaked in there over uh, Charlie and the Chocolate 80 Factory. What? 84. 84. Where Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was 83. 83. Uh, this one says, as can be expected from a Tim Burton movie, Corpse Bride is whimsically... <laughs> Sorry. Whimsically macabre, visually imaginative, and emotionally bittersweet. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Uh, number six, Beetlejuice, which, okay, at least this is like, I don't know why it's a, not above Sweeney Todd, but anyway, number six, 85%, um, brilliantly bizarre and overflowing with ideas, Beetlejuice offers some of Michael Keaton's most deliciously manic work and creepy, funny fun for the whole family. <laughs> Prick, is, right, Prick right. is so pretentious. He is. He is. I just got my like, Yeah. Just grab him by his fucking lapels. You shake the shit out of him. <laughs> his pants are probably two inches short just because that's how he wears his pants. I like my pants this way, thank you. Yeah? In case I step in a puddle of your shit. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. As soon as these movies are done, you're out of here. <laughs> Number five, Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street, 86%. So these are just like they're going like up. Right and, by, yeah, yeah. They're super close. That's like 10 votes. Yeah, the adjusted score in this one, though, is like 93. Which oh is, yeah, that's kind so of. So that one has less reviews than most of the other ones, then, is what that is. Right. That's crazy. Full of pith and grand gignol grossness, this macabre musical is perfectly helmed and highly entertaining. Tim Burton massively stages the musical in a way that it will make you think he has done this many times before. <laughs> wow, I guess, Prick, you like movies, you like musicals, huh? I do. Should have known. What's your favorite musical? It's called Go Fuck Yourself. <laughs> oh my gosh. This guy, somebody, hey, where's... Yeah, he's just, got he's got some anger issues. Take care of this guy. Well, his middle name literally is pretentious. God so I mean it kind of yeah, it kind of fits. Number four, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Okay, I'll take that one at number four. Yeah, that's sure. Fine. That's fine. Eighty seven percent on here. And uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure brings Paul Rubin's famous character to the big screen intact, along with enough inspired silliness to dazzle children of all ages. That actually sounded like a pretty good criticism. Yeah, All the other ones were like, yeah, this is good, but fuck it. I'm surprised there wasn't some sort of weird <laughs> yeah, backhanded fucking bullshit in there. Number three, which I'm kind of surprised by, is uh, Frankenweenie. Yeah? Yeah. Why are you surprised by that? I don't know. I just kind of assumed that the, the other ones... Kids love it. Yeah, I, I guess that that's true. And parents love to have their kids watch it. Yeah. 87% on here. Frank and Weenie is an energetic stop-motion horror movie spoof with lovingly crafted visuals and a heartfelt oddball story. Yeah. Yeah? Oddball, I, huh? I liked it. Did you? No. <laughs> Number two, what do you think it is? I don't know what's left. Uh... I don't know. What is, what? Edward Scissorhands. Edward, okay. Okay. 90%. Edvard. Edvard Scissorhands. Edvard. 80. Oh, Eddie Scissors. The. Eddie Scissors. <laughs> Eddie Scissors. He sounds like a mafia guy now. Hey, yeah, go tell Eddie Scissors to take care of that Eddie, shit, fuck, okay? If you don't fucking calm down, I'm going to have to fucking call Eddie Scissors in here. You don't want that to happen. I I'll go home and get your fucking shine box. <laughs> nice. Ninety percent, like I said. Um, the first collaboration Ooh. between Johnny Depp and Tim Burton. Edward Scissorhands. Scissor 
<laughs> I have a tough time with that word. Edward Scissorhands is a magical modern fairy tale with gothic overtones and a sweet center. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I like a sweet center. I bet you do. Bet your ass I do. <laughs> Stay away from my ass. Number one. What do you think? Out of all the movies that going through the entire, all the research and everything else and the entire story of Tim Burton, what do you think it is? It depends. That's not <clears throat> I would say that if, if it has, if it's directed, if it's not directing, if it's just everything, I, I feel like it would be. It's directed. Okay, so it's not Nightmare Before Christmas. It is not, because he did not direct that, folks. Exactly. So. Is it? No. No. It's Ed Wood, you stupid shit. <laughs> oh, my God. What an asshole. Jesus. Number one is Ed Wood with 92%. Fuck. Which is weird to me because I thought it was a good movie. Like, it was cool. It was just kind of, I don't know, campy to me. So I mean, that's that just kind of the point behind it. It yeah. was supposed to be campy. Yeah, I guess. Maybe I need to revisit that movie. Tim Burton and Johnny Depp team up to fet the life and work of cult hero Ed Wood with typically strange and wonderful results. With typically strange. Yeah. And Did you wonder- like that movie, Prick? It was okay, I suppose. Yeah. Yes, it's black and white. Very no avant-garde. I do like that yeah. part, yes. Do you like it because the guy's last name is Wood? <laughs> That's it. I'm fucking leaving. Good. You know what? Get the hell out of here. Man, just like that, he's gone, folks. Our new, God. newest person on the show. He's a son of a bitch, he that is. guy. He is a prick. Yeah. He is a... Fucking prick. <laughs> is, he anyway, is he gonna come back next week? For the it's very possible. I don't know what we'll the motherfucker. Maybe we'll have the passengers tell us if they like prick here or not. Because if not, then we can just tell them to fucking not think, be here. He, he, he knocked my self esteem down. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I feel a little worse about myself now. Well, passengers, we hope you have enjoyed <laughs> your ride with us on Tim Burton. We've been talking about doing it for a while, and we got to it. And I feel like we kind of put that nail in that coffin not to i don't know that's weird it fits. terminology okay it fits the nail fits i, I mean i assume in so. the coffin sure okay anyway it's pretty awesome i think so yeah. i think it's great he's a interesting cat very interesting he's got such an eye for you know just imagination everything you, private guy he has his own strange fella severe style like you can hear it talk about other people having like eh, yeah. it's kind of like you know whatever if you if someone mentions something to you and says it's kind of like Tim Burton-esque, you, you know immediately exactly know what, yeah. what that looks yeah. like. So that's super cool. So we want to know what you guys think about that, about Tim Burton, about his just amazing lack of childhood. <laughs> and, you know, all the movies he made. Like, tell us which one was your favorite. Yeah, Do you mean? think that number one should be Ed Wood? Mars Attacks. Uh, Mars Attack. Mar- I would say, honestly, of all those, though, my favorite, I, I, I would say my top Tim Burton movies, if we're, if we're new, it would be, uh, I would lump the two Batmans together. Those would be up there. Yeah. Beetlejuice is up towards the top, and Mars Attacks definitely is at the, towards the top. See, to me, it's all about rewatchability. Oh, I, can okay. watch, I can watch any of those movies over and over again. But which one could you like, if, if, if you had to pick one of those to be stranded on a desert island with? Of all those? Yeah. <sighs> it'd be a toss-up between Beetlejuice and Mars Attacks. Mine would probably be Beetlejuice, because at least there's yeah. some some music at the end. Ding 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 ding. Jump in the line. 
Rock the body and die. Also, okay. I figured out, uh, remember how I told you that uh, <clears throat> he cast Jack Nicholson three times and killed him off each time? Uh-huh. He played two different guys in Mars Attacks. That's why. Ah, oh, that's son yeah. of a bitch. Two characters. And they both movie. died. I think so, yeah. That's hilarious. <clears throat> now, listen, Moody. Yeah. Where are we taking the train next week? Going to the land of jazz, my friend. We're heading down south to my second home, New Orleans. New Orleans. And what are we talking about, New Orleans? Talking about the Axeman. The Axeman. The un- Axeman. <laughs> <laughs> the Axeman is an unsolved story about a guy who uh, basically would go around and killing people with an axe and huh, loved an jazz axe, huh? music. Is that why they call him the Axeman? Yeah. Interesting. That's exactly what. No, he just really liked Oddly the body enough, spray. He didn't always kill with an axe. He just killed. Yeah. He just liked axe body spray a lot, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When it first came out. Like the yeah. smell very fresh. This yeah. took place, what, 94? <laughs> <laughs> no, it took a lo- longer than that. So it's going to be a fun ride on that one. Yeah, we, it we should be. Dive be back good. into the true crime era. Uh, Another a- area. unsolved. Another unsolved. And now uh, that's like our We like our unsolved true crime. Yes, we do. So make sure you guys are joining us back here next Monday. Taking a train down south. That's right. And make sure to stop over to our official website, the Midnight Train Podcast. Dot com and at our website you can uh, buy some super sweet merchandise we were talking yeah. about earlier all right and you know of course keep looking you got to keep going back there to, to find out when our new line of fecal fighters shit eating robot shirts will be dropping i can't wait it could I be any time it could be any time it could be a year from now but it could be tomorrow that's the wonderful thing about being able to say it could be any time. That's right. Because you can't, they can't hold us to anything. That's right. You said it was going to be. I said any time. <laughs> it's been seven years. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> and listeners keep asking how they can help keep the steam in our engines. Well, if you like what you hear from us, consider being a producer of the show by heading over to themidnighttrainpodcast.com and clicking on the Patreon button or at patreon.com forward slash themidnighttrainpodcast. For as little as five bucks a month, you can get all kinds of cool shit, like a custom shirt, custom poster, custom sticker, bonus episodes like the Day the Music Dies series. Yeah, I'm working on the next one already. You guys are going to love it. And way more. There's way more. That's right. I have, okay, so I told you, I'm going to throw this out there just to give give everyone a little heads up. We have a, I'm working on another bonus episode that involves a country within the United States. Which is amazing. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. And so I that's going to be a good bonus episode. That'll be fun. Yeah. That'll be a lot of fun. On top of, on top of working on the next day of the music. Day. So it's, it's just crazy. Yeah. So if you are a diehard Midnight Train fan and you're like, man, these guys actually don't suck. And you want to help produce this motherfucker. <laughs> you're one of very few people that think that. <laughs> Our Patreon is for you. And for those of you that would rather leave us a one-time donation because you're like, you know what? I have commitment issues, but I yeah. really want to show these guys that I like them. Sure. You know, here's a couple bucks, you know. Buy Moody a new attitude. I don't know. I pay, pay, pay John for this pizza that he just made for me. <laughs> if you guys really feel so inclined. That's awesome. I literally had to tell John to make me a pizza and I'll pay him tomorrow. <laughs> I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's also, funny. also, I think the other big thing is we've been talking about how we can get more reviews, right? And we've been kind of watching the, uh, the iTunes chart just to kind of see what's going on. And, and it seems like we've been getting more listens. And we're constantly staying up a little bit where higher than we have been. So we're obviously we're getting some new people listening. Correct. Right? Correct. So if you guys are out there and uh, we hope you are, if you've listened to a couple episodes and you've decided that you kind of like us 
and you keep coming back for more and you're listening to this right now, please spread the word. Get your friends to listen. Tell them to leave us a review or, uh, or just drop by and say hi on the webpage or join the Facebook group. And uh, just let us know you're out there. And uh, just please, if, if, if you don't do anything else, if you're cheap like me and John, that's fine. <laughs> we get it. Just please spread the word. That's all we ask. That's, we would love you forever if you would just tell a friend about it and have them listen. That, that's all we ask for, truthfully. Yeah, yeah and uh, like Spotify seems to be just still moving, still doing yeah, its thing, uh, man. Uh, apparently, that's where we get most of our listens from. Yeah. And of course, that one has no charts or rankings, so... Yeah, but uh, that's fine. Which which one doesn't? Spotify. Spotify. Well, they they have like a chart, but there's no like there's no ranking system or uh, or comment system or anything like that is on Spotify. So. Yeah, that's fine. You guys yeah, can you know always what? just we know you're out there. Yeah, jump on the uh, the, uh, if you the keep Facebook page and we're say, gonna "Hey, get one of those Joe Rogan Spotify contracts." <sighs> we're waiting. That's <clears throat> gonna be great. You guys imagine <laughs> how awesome our shit would be if we had a hundred million dollars. <laughs> We could jump on over to PayPal if you guys were interested in doing that. Speaking of $100 million. <laughs> and just, uh, you know, send it uh, over to PayPal. You know, anything helps. Anything works. It really does help us out a lot. And the Midnight Train Podcast at gmail.com is the email for that. Also, you can easily like, subscribe, and rate us on your favorite podcast platform, whether it is Spotify, like he was talking about, uh, Apple, Spreaker, Stretcher, Poker Face. The, I don't know. There's so many of them out there, dude. Yeah. We use Podbean. iHeartRadio, Podbean. Who, yeah, that's who we host by, and uh, I'm actually quite happy with that. Are we on Stitcher? Are we on Stitcher? I think so. Stitcher is another one that's got a rating system, too. Yeah, there helps. you go. Get on there and rate us on there. You know. So. But most importantly, share it. Yeah. Like he was saying, tell everyone. Say, hey, go listen to these guys. They're actually kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> it only takes a couple of minutes, and word of mouth is how we're going to get more passengers on this train and continue to bring you weekly episodes. We can't thank you all enough for your love and support. As always, you really do keep the train moving for sure. Now, listen, got a big old, big, big, big. This thing keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Big flipping midnight train. Shout out to Janet, Barbara, Craig, Lacey, Mikey, Ben, John, Nate, Tess, Heidi, Kaylin, Kevin, Samantha, Matt, Diana, Christopher, Jacqueline, Katie, Michaela, Ramsey, Tamar, Tommy Speakerbox, the Sister Skeleton. Please make sure you check out the Sister Skeleton um, wherever you listen to uh, your did, podcast. You fucking did it again. Did I say it? Sister, you said, you said skeleton. Damn it. Sister, sister's <laughs> skeleton. <laughs> Fuck. I'm so sorry, ladies. God. Um, also to Riley, Logan, Reagan, Charlie, Alyssa, Sydney, Ava, Diane, Alina, Stephanie, Julie, Laura, Cynthia, Kirsten, Dawn, Nicola, Caitlin, Chanel, Alex, Emily Ann, Son of Vasco, Alicia, Frandapai, Danny, Rex, Sadie, Remy, ah! Melissa, Grace, Stormy, Eva, Melissa, Wayne, Victoria, Hager, Sean, Chainsaw. Oh. <laughs> Bill Sun, Colin, Todd, David, uh, Valo, Juan, Belen, Ken and Brad over at Voodoo Vodka, Stripper, Kevin, Davy, our Mexican Vato. Hola, and a, Davey. Yeah, hola, Davey. And a very special thank you to our superhero Patreon producers, Chad Flint, Cheryl Pierce, Chris McLeod, Justin Kowalczyk, Rob West from the Fun Box Podcast. Wait, what, 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 what? Did I say Rob West? <laughs> I'm tired. I got it way early today. Rob Webb. Rob, we, you know I say your name every damn time. <laughs> Fucking hell. We hate your podcast and you. <laughs> no. Dude, they dropped some serious memeage over there. I know. It's great. Oh, you've got to oh, follow them on God. Facebook. Holy shit. 
Just go and look up Funbox Podcast and uh, join their group. It's yeah, so it's, freaking amazing. It's a good time. And listen to their show. It's a good time. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Also to Christina Skelton, Maria we'll Gibbs, Jessica Bartolome, Bartolome, um, Jigsaw, aka yep. Oliver yep. Gimmel, the yeah, yeah. I want to say he's the third. I think fourth. he's the third. Fourth? I think he's the fourth. Holy shit. So many, so many of you people. Jesus. Oy. Rick Resler, Courtney Bachelor, Katie Brabinick, and of course, Bill Birch. All you guys. Yes. Because our producers are the best. Now, if you want your name to be mentioned on the show, people too, they are. Right? They're so we have the best. You know what? I'm going to just go ahead and say it. We have the best looking audience in all of podcasting. I agree. 100% I agree. Absolutely. Those, all those other places, they're some ugly motherfuckers. <laughs> the only good looking ones are the ones that listen to us and them. Correct. And yeah. that's only when they're listening to us. Right. It makes them better looking and they make us better looking correct it's like yeah. cyclical it's eye candy man it is that's how it works <laughs> so if you want your name to be mentioned on the show please sign up as a member on our website that's uh the midnight train podcast.com or become a patreon producer at patreon.com forward slash the midnight train podcast and listen we'll 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 say your name man we'll we'll tell you how much we appreciate we you and we'll tell you will you be a part of the show and how <laughs> we will stroke your fucking egos. We will. You guys also, not only are they the most attractive, by far the smartest. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And just career driven. Oh, sure. I mean, sure. S- just stellar human beings. I don't know one bad person of the lot. That's what I'm saying. It's amazing. They're good people. So all of you producers and all of you people listening right now, thank you so much for listening to our dumbasses. Stay safe out there. And passengers, as always. Choo-choo, motherfuckers! Now go home and get your fucking shine box.